Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about might be one of those crazy Wednesday Wednesday shows or not at all. I don't know what's going on. It seems like we're live. We can't hear anything anymore. We're going to call into our own show and see what's happening. <laughs> if it's happening, we just don't know. So, um, okay. Okay. Let's see what's going on here. Okay. All right. Here we are. We are live. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Good morning, Not everyone. Sure what happened, but, uh, it's little, just a it's little saying hi. Oh, where how is he it? it? It's how he does it. How he does it. He's just that. He's magical. Well, check out Weed Day Wednesday. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, our seven years. Seven freaking years. Seven years. My lucky number. Seven years of live cannabis radio. Pretty crazy. We've had a lot of amazing people on the show. Oh my gosh, what we've learned. What we haven't learned. What we haven't learned. I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah. It's true. Wow. For the bestie, it's March 13th, and it is. Good morning, everyone. It is. We have guests still showing up in the green room. Yeah, we have guests. And I know they're going to be really excited to see what sound you're deciding on. Yeah, what sound you're going on. What's that? Is it open? Is someone coming? Yeah, it's here. Oh, look at that. Our special guest is here. Yes, we have more special silver sisters on her way. She's uh, currently yeah, uh, yeah. Um, handling yeah. things right now. So, and there are lots of accidents out there because so people careful. can't drive in the rain. They just don't know how to do it. Mm. They just it's don't. a little slick out there. <laughs> um, the only reason I kind of knew how to do it was because of the Atari game. The little driving car game that you would drive on. The- <laughs> 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 oh, you kind of slid out to where you wanted it to go, and then you hit the gas at that point, and you carried on. And uh, yeah, Atari taught me how to to drive in the car. <laughs> 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 no, no, this is way oh, no. before. Way before weed. <laughs> yeah, way before weed. <laughs> Pre-weed. You know, um, Atari did really have some good 
uh, really amazing hand, eye coordinate things. Granted, the graphics oh, but, compared to then, but then what you had, you didn't know what you had now. No. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Anyways, Ms. enough Mary about Jane, video games. There's but. some tea. There's some breakfast in the kitchen for you. You oh. might need to heat it up a little bit, but uh, we, we're, it's, we're so excited. We have some amazing, amazing guests come on. Um, first, though, I want to give a mighty big shout out to Tumbleweed Retail Center. Forty-eight twenty-six East Broadway Boulevard. Go down and see our new tinctures. They are flipping amazing, and they're super, super cute. Design is awesome. So yep. are the sweatshirts. Yummy tea and the sweatshirts and the hats and all sorts of stuff you can get down there. So go check it out. Uh, Silver Sister, thank you so much for always, always, always being there and supporting us and making sure things always go through. That guy. Love you. That guy's here. He yeah. stopped the show already, so we're going to have to call in occasionally and, and make sure uh, uh, that... Uh, I'll show you when it starts. Yeah. On time. Yeah, no, did not start on time. Um, speaking of starting on time, so this is why we're running a little late. I'm not sure why uh, iTunes wants to, to open up right now. But if you want to chat with us, you can go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. And uh, on the radio link, you can click that first picture, and it takes you right to the show. It's really simple to sign in quick name and an email or something like that, and then you can blog with us and share stories and love. Um, and I'm actually going to do a, a reach out right now. Um, I'm trying to, uh, so this is for you, Mr. Platshorn. I know you're waiting. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, we actually grab the right line. So I'm going to ask right now, um, what number are you calling from? So I don't mess up. And that is... <laughs> Canvas kids, there's no way you can say thank you from the bottom of my heart for always being here. And even when you can't, you're trying to drive on the road, and you're trying to be here anyway. And even when you can't, I know your heart's here. And that means more than enough. And Miss Mary Jane is one of our most beautiful, beautiful volunteers. I will never forget the day she came and sat on our couch and watched from afar as I kind of spieled out little things to the crowd that we had of two, probably, at Tumbleweed Health Center at the time. <laughs> This is what a good human does. They look and they research and they check into all areas. And, you know, sometimes it gets to a point where you, you need to go away that even the government was telling you that was wrong. Whatever. Whatever. Even the government's getting in on it now. <laughs> and all of our listeners, our staff at Tumbleweeds Health Center. Hello, the doctors, everybody there. I don't want to embarrass you by calling out your name. Well, um, huge. Success. Oh, okay. So we've got to thank you, and we've got now. I know the number to call or to uh, unleash here. So here we go. We're going to start off our wonderful show. We've got Robert Platchorn, Doug Hyde, Heidi Hanford, and Dr. Regina Nelson. Right here. What a way to go! So right now, please welcome one of our most favorite people on the planet and a wonderful friend of ours that we met many years ago. He's been helping us celebrate, um, and we've been watching him and supporting him and loving him and helping him do whatever he can to educate and put on the cannabis show of a lifetime. Please welcome Robert Platshorn, everybody. Oh, what happened? <laughs> I hit load. <laughs> Here we go. Robert, are you there? Hello. Hey, Hello. Can you hear me? How are you doing? How are my girls? Oh, we're doing great now. <laughs> How are you? 
miss you guys. Love you a lot. Been oh. really busy. The Silver Tour is uh, it's actually bigger and busier than ever. Wonderful. Love to hear that. Yeah. Please tell everybody what the Silver Tour is in case we've got some brand new listeners that don't know. We go around to big senior communities, not nursing homes, senior communities. <clears throat> and <clears throat> and we talk to audiences in their clubhouse or their ballroom, anywhere from 200 to 500 people. Uh, we bring a doctor. We bring patients. Uh, we bring Irv Rosenfeld, who's the director of the Silver Tour, and we teach him the basics about medical marijuana. In the last few weeks, uh, we've done three shows with a total audience of over a thousand people. And uh, oh, when you when you talk to that many people in the senior community, you're really talking to several times that many because they live there, they talk to their neighbors, they play cards with their neighbors. Uh, the clubhouse is, is the social center. And however many people you reach, it really reaches a heck of a lot more. Absolutely, yeah. They tell a friend and they tell a friend. So we were talking about this this morning about, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than we have, but what's the atmosphere now? Is it easier to talk to people about this now, or are you still finding a lot of resistance, or are you getting people that are just coming to banging down your door? More of the latter. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I couldn't even get the show into senior communities, even mm -hmm. though we give them a, a free buffet from Panera Bread, and we bring a doctor and patients. In the beginning, they all told us our people aren't even interested in medical marijuana. And so we started out uh, in synagogues where it was a welcome subject. But in the beginning, once we got into the big senior communities, uh, I still very much hesitated to talk about things like cancer and Alzheimer's and uh, epilepsy, and I soft-pedaled it because it always sounded too good to be true. What's changed in the last eight or nine years since we've been doing the show is that these statements are now accepted, and we can present the medical information, the research reports, and uh, there are three things, that, uh, two things really, that seniors are really afraid of, and that's Alzheimer's and cancer. Mm -hmm. And so a large part of the show is devoted to those subjects where I wouldn't even speak about them uh, when we first started the show because people thought it was nonsense. Wow. There's a lot more acceptance today. The majority of people, I had an audience of about 280 people a couple of days ago at a senior community uh, called Lakes of Del Rey. Hmm. And... When I asked how many people already had their card, about six people raised their hand. Huh. At the end of the show, when I asked how many wanted to get their card and give cannabis an opportunity to help them, I had almost 100% raise their hand. And, of course, uh, we had doctors there. They could uh, make appointments. And uh, we had our sponsor there, Trulieve, 
who are the most amazingly patient-oriented organization I've ever come across. Uh, every new patient who walks in, they take as much time as necessary to explain the products, what they're good for, the different things they can try. Uh, they even have a consultation room that people want to sit down and talk about it. But what convinced me that they were the right sponsor for Silver Tour is I brought a lot of people uh, who've never been in a dispensary to one of their dispensaries. And the last thing every patient hears before they walk out is if the things you bought don't work the way you need them to, please bring them back, even if you use them, and we will find something that works for you. And uh, that, that really is awesome. And although most of the uh, dispensary licensees offered to sponsor Silver Tour, I picked Truly because I thought they were just head and shoulders above everybody else. And the quality of their products, all organically grown and uh, lab by an independent lab. Uh, wow. In a state like Florida where we're just developing our cannabis industry, those are people I felt we could rely on, and, and they've made great partners. They sponsor the Silver Tour with no strings attached. I mean, you don't have to go to True Leave. Or, we've got a number of good uh, licensees here in the state, and we got one or two who are not so good. Yeah. But uh, I'm really happy with the sponsorship because they've made it possible. Uh, the most difficult thing for me, if you remember, was raising the money to do a silver tour show. Mm -hmm. It cost fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to put on a show locally just for the buffet and the advertising and uh speaking fees. So uh it's really been great having them as a sponsor. And we're doing more shows and bigger shows than ever before. That's awesome. We totally applaud you for that. Yeah. Seems like the seniors, because of all the nonsense they've been fed, sometimes have a harder time letting go of of the beliefs that they grew up on. What do you say to kind of steer them in a different direction, other than our government's always been, you know, using this anyway? But what do you say to those folks? You don't want to push people into a decision. You want to present the facts. But you're right, the most difficult thing in the world for most patients, especially those with a serious or terminal illness, is being able to walk away from traditional therapies and try cannabis as the first choice, not the last. Uh, it makes a big difference. At every uh, show today, I'm using a, a short video from a nursing home in Illinois that's using cannabis to treat Alzheimer's patients. Uh, the three patients in the video were really at the end of the road. They no longer walked or talked. They were violent. They were wheelchair-bound. And out of desperation, they started treating these patients with cannabis with the permission of their families. And when you see the transformation in these people and that they can get up out of the wheelchair, walk, have a conversation, recognize their family, 
no longer violent and actually enjoying what's left of their life. It really makes you wonder what would happen had these people been treated at the very first signs of dementia. And even well, worse, of course, is, is terminal cancer. I've yeah. met so many patients who are just afraid to give up traditional treatments. Wow. My partner and best friend in life, uh, Robbie Meinster, who uh, was part of our old Black Tuna gang, he developed stomach cancer. He lived in New York, and uh, he knew about cannabis oil. I had spent time sending him the research reports. Uh, I made sure he got to meet and talk to patients who have successfully used cannabis oil. But in the end, his family convinced him uh, to go the conventional route, to go to Sloan Kettering, which really is the finest cancer institution in the country. But the results were fatal. Oh, and uh, I had made sure that he had a full course of RSO that he could use and mm-hmm. somebody to coach him on how to use it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he went the conventional route, and I'm afraid the conventional results. Uh, somebody actually came and knocked on my door the other day. Uh, he was visiting a neighbor, and he had started chemo but he was interested in cannabis. There are a lot of patients on chemo who are doing both. What you have to realize is with the chemo or surgery, you're increasing your risk of metastasizing the cancer and radical side effects, whereas you're not taking any risk with the cannabis. And that's hard to get across. Hmm. Is that the answer you were looking for? Uh, well, yeah, there's so many questions in that too. It it is hard to get across, and and we've 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 even seen that with um. I have a, I I reached out to you uh, a while ago, and I played that video about the dementia and that that uh, nursing care facility that used it with their patients, and I cry every time I watch that because how can you not want to get your family back, and and what it did for these patients. I mean, right. their families, but the patients themselves, like you said, they weren't angry anymore and they were able to get up and walk and talk and eat you know and be a part of their communities and their families lives again how could you not it's so hard to understand why someone wouldn't use that after seeing something like that it just it i'm still i still don't understand it's you know that's why it's that's why it's the final part of my silver tour show because the audience does cry they're affected Every senior in that audience recognizes someone they love or care for or married to or a parent, and it has a profound effect. It's meant to. I'm an old pitchman. I know how to get people uh, to give it a try and and to come over to the good side of the force. It it just requires putting putting the show together in the right way, And, and it works amazingly well. Right. Well, that's wonderful. We wish we could get you out here to do a show. Uh, it's, you know, everywhere you do a yeah, show is just yeah. important, though. You know, we just want to see you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, hopefully, uh, 
after uh, at the beginning of the summer, I'll start traveling out of state again. Uh, my sponsor has uh, taken over a uh, dispenser, a couple of dispensaries up in the Boston area and one out in California. So it's my belief they're going to be a national force. And as they travel, I believe uh, we're going to make the Silver Tour travel as well. I've got amazing people. Uh, Dr. Umid uh, Dana Belden called me the other day, and she wants to help with the Silver Tour shows. An amazing, amazing woman. And, of course, uh, Nurse Eileen Kuznitsky from uh, upstate New York, who was our first medical speaker at the first Silver Tour show. Uh, We'd like to put a Silver Tour together around her up in New England. So we're working on getting everywhere we're needed. You know, when uh, we finally passed medical here in Florida, and then a lot of other states followed suit, I thought perhaps our main mission was over. I walked into a dispensary and saw that 70 to 80% of the patients were seniors. And they had a smile on their face. And they were talking to each other about the pain relief from arthritis or how they've eliminated all their epileptic seizures or how they're using it uh, to treat their cancer successfully. And they're talking to each other, which is great. And I looked at all the seniors, and I gave myself a big pat on the back. I said, hey, you got them here. Now the rest is going to happen. And then I thought about it for a bit. And I realized in Florida, we've got 200,000 patients on the registry. And that's pretty good for a new program. But it doesn't scratch the surface of the number of seniors in this state uh, who really still don't know anything about cannabis or Mm -hmm. they haven't made up their mind. And so we put the Silver Tour show back on the road. As you know, I I spent a year or so at home taking care of my wife and and finally lost her. And I wasn't sure I was going to go back out on the road with the Silver Tour. But now that I have, it's just so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a call the other day from uh, a district educator for True Leaf, and they said the morning after the Silver Tour show, they were absolutely flooded with new patients coming into the dispensaries in that area. And uh, that's amazing. I get a dozen emails every day. Thank you. I brought my mom to one of your shows. She had fourth stage cancer, and that was three years ago. She's still with us. You have no idea how good that makes me feel, and, and I hear it so often. So that's what keeps me going. It sure ain't the money. <laughs> well, not yet, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll have you out there so much, you'll just, you know, get you on all the, all the good TV shows and get you back out there again. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see them here. Yeah. So um, what do you think about our political, I had to ask, our political nature of, of things right now? When do you think that our government is just going to say, enough was enough? Let's just legalize it across the board. Do you think we're getting close to that, or are we still a ways out? 
though we are getting close to it, you've still got big pockets of resistance, especially in the South, where the sheriff's associations are spending millions of dollars on lobbyists uh, to try and keep it illegal. Of course, most people realize that the sheriffs make their money from their jails, and they get tremendous grants and federal supplements for all the cannabis arrests. They just don't want to give it up. Uh, As far as Washington is concerned, if you believe Trump is ready to legalize like he said, uh, I've got a bridge I want to sell you. Because nothing else he said has ever turned out to be true. And uh, as you can see by the news in the past week, that all of a sudden uh, they want to stall and the president needs more information and he's calling for more information and he'll be calling uh, until the day he's out of office. I don't believe for a second that he's going to back legalization. But there's so many people in Congress now who are willing to take the big step. And I believe it's the 420 bill that's up there that wants to remove cannabis completely from uh, the schedule. And, And that's exactly what's needed. Moving it to Schedule 2 or 3 or 4 still is only a, a partial measure. And at, right. at one time, a few years ago, that would have been great. Now it's too little, too late. Uh, it's got to be removed from the registry. It does need to be regulated. Otherwise, there will be people out there selling it like snake oil, as they're doing now with a lot yep. of the CBD meds. Yep. Uh Regulation's necessary. Uh, It usually comes a little bit late after the problems develop, but almost everything that's grown in this country has some degree of regulation. What you can treat it with, what you can spray on it, uh, what can remain when it goes to market, and the same things have to apply to cannabis and and, uh, CBD meds. Otherwise, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to uh, be unhappy with what they end up with. As you know, a lot of the CBD meds have been found to have little or no CBD or made from Chinese industrial hemp that contain leads and other metals. And there are great CBD products being produced by a number of companies that have been lab, they're pure, they contain what they're supposed to contain, but the public's in no in no position to judge for themselves. No, they're not. And it's scary because we see that all the time. People say, oh, I ordered this online or I got this at a smoke shop or they're selling it at the gas stations now. Right. Mm-hmm. And Circle K, I mean, it's everywhere. And, and they say, well, I took the whole bottle and it didn't work. Well, one of two things, <laughs> there was probably nothing in it or maybe you need something different. You know, or maybe, but we get, we get that a lot at the health center. People are getting scammed big time. Sick. Yeah, sick. and they're getting sick from it. Yeah. You know, um, it's pretty sad. But I, it, it'll get regulated, and and, and it'll be a, a good. Hopefully, it'll be regulated well. You know, because it should be. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to take a little time to sort out, yeah. but they've jumped in, and and I think it'll be sorted out pretty quickly. Uh, here in Florida. They closed down a few uh, CBD outlets uh, with a view to putting in the regulations. And uh, 
opening it up again. So how are the uh, dispensaries there? You've been in a bunch of them? Yes, I have. I've probably been in uh, about two dozen. And most of them are terrific. Uh, But a couple of them, uh, you can just feel that they're there to grab the money, sell as much product as possible. Uh, At at the moment, the one uh, outlet here that's doing that has already developed a bad reputation. And uh, it's funny. I walked into a uh, Curely dispensary in uh, Lake Worth. And uh, there was about an hour wait to get into the dispensing room. Uh, They were jammed up with patients in the waiting room and and outside in line. And then uh, Cureleaf is is a national chain. They're in 12 states. And they run a pretty good operation. But I walked a couple of blocks to a Knox dispensary, which is in a much better location, much busier. And... uh, there weren't uh, three patients in a dog lined up because wow. they had developed such a bad reputation uh, for not being, not accepting refunds, not uh, exchanging broken uh, vaporizers, uh, huh. and and just generally not being patient oriented. And wow. the public found out. I mean, one place was jam packed busy. And the other place was uh, empty, echoes. Yeah. So well, that's getting sorted out. But yeah. my favorite where I go all the time is always busy, but they move people through uh, very smoothly. They've got lots of people there to take care. And uh, I've probably taken at least a dozen people who've never been in a dispensary and uh, made them comfortable. They were they were afraid to go in. They didn't know what was there. Uh, they thought it was a place for kids. And then huh. they look at uh, the patient load in the dispensary, and they realize that almost all of them uh, are their own age and, and have similar problems. And that's a good atmosphere. By the way, uh, not to keep plugging my sponsor, but truly runs an educational <laughs> event at every single dispensary uh, once a week where people get together for coffee and bagels and talk often by a doctor uh, or just to compare notes. And uh, it's a great social scene and a great educational scene. But you have to get them in there first, and that's what the Silver Tour does. Absolutely, and we thank you for that. It's hard, you know. I've I've been in, you know, quite a few dispensaries here in Arizona <clears throat> with people that have never been um, or they're new to this, and it's it can be overwhelming. But um, it's definitely you can definitely feel when someone is just trying to push you out and grab your money versus when they, you know, the lady behind the counter took almost a half an hour with us and just chatted with us and talked with because there are so many products out there now when you go in. And you try and find something that, you know, people get overwhelmed. They don't know how much to take and where to start. And you, you know a good dispensary. I'm really glad you found a great sponsor because it's really important to support the people that are doing it in a good way, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, that's, that's why I, just, I support the dispensary system over pharmacies or uh, 
even chain food stores selling uh, CBD and THC products. Pharmacy doesn't have the time or the product mm-hmm. line to to show people each product and explain why an oil might be better than a tincture or uh, smokable might be better than uh, just vaping or why uh, or how to use an oil. There's so much to explain and so many products and different strains out there now. And the dispensaries are hiring people that are knowledgeable to begin with, and then they're given terrific training. And then they're retrained for every new product. Wow. I don't think there's any other method that could come up to the standard of the good dispensaries. I really don't. Wow. That's they fantastic. just have the knowledge. And, and pharmacists and even doctors don't have the knowledge. No. I've had doctors come to my shows and, and just are amazed by what they've learned in an hour that they never learned until they got there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, some of them have been kept in the dark for so long as well. You know, they've been fed just as many lies as we've been fed. Or not told, or, or, not, or yeah. not been educated at all. Right. So, which well, it is, starts with the system, yeah. you know, not yeah. knowing. Starts with education. We're developing a whole bunch of doctors here in Florida who are actually treating with cannabis as opposed to just writing recommendations. Oh, nice. And they are terrific. People like Dr. Barry Gordon and Michelle Weiner and Dr. Hutchinson and uh, my favorite doc, John J. Murphy, who was originally a shrink and a neurosurgeon out in California, moved to Florida, semi-retired, and now has a huge patient load who he's actually treating, not just handing him a wreck. And, uh, the results are amazing. I really love what's happening here in Florida. There's plenty of bad parts, but the courts have been good to us. They've expanded the uh, the causes the, that you can get a rec for. And most important, we're working to get recreational because after all the time I've spent with seniors in the dispensaries and at the Silver Tour shows, there are still tons of seniors who can't afford their rec, their recommendation. They can't afford the 75 bucks uh, to give the state for their card and the money for renewals. Uh, and the only solution, and, and my doctor is very much in favor of it, he says, Bobby, people shouldn't have to get a recommendation. They should be able to walk into a dispensary, learn about the products, try the products that seem most helpful and then make up their own mind or find out uh, what other strain might be better. He says that's really nothing that a doctor uh, has the time to be involved in unless they have a cannabis practice and too many of them just write recs and collect the bucks. Yep. So recreational is, is my goal now. And I intend to, uh, run a national campaign to support it. I just haven't figured out where to slot it in because, as you know, anything I do has to be uh, pragmatic. It has to be something feasible. And right now there are so many movements for legalization, it's Mm -hmm. hard to figure out 
exactly the one to get behind and push. That's true. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> we know you are, Robert. Love it. Love it. We love you. Awesome. We we Thank love you. having you on. I know you're busy, and and we know you got to get scooting and tooting out there. Thank you so much for all that you do. We love you. We miss Thank you. you. We wish we could give you a really big hug right now. Just imagine all of us jumping on you now. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for all. My my pleasure. I wish I was there. I miss my girls. I <laughs> love love both of you. You are terrific. And I love what you've been doing and, and what you continue to do. Take care. All my love. I got to go. All right. Thank, Thank you. you, Robert Flatshorn, everybody. All right. Bye bye. I love that. All right. Thanks, everybody. That was Robert Flatshorn. In just a minute, if you kids want to go to the kitchen and do that, you want to we're going to do a little commercial and say thank you, uh, do some shout-outs, and then we're going to have Doug Fine on. It's a good time. Anyone wants to grab some, uh, yeah, Doug, Doug and Frex is coming on. Anyone want to go to the bathroom, do all their fun things. Mm-hmm. And we want to give a shout-out to some of the so long. And um, if you're in the area and you want a medical marijuana card here in Arizona, you can come here. Uh, the Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard, right here in Tucson, Arizona. If you have PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition, or just the treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or a medical condition that causes cachexia, wasting syndrome, severe and chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including those characteristic of epilepsy, uh, severe persistent muscle spasms, including those characteristic of multiple sclerosis. And where is, oh, hang on. <laughs> it's one of those tech more that guy was doing. Oh, no. There's something glitchy going on with this program. Every time I try and click something, um, it won't let me. This is very bizarre. Sorry, folks. I'm trying to do a little uh, commercial here for you, and it's not letting me. Scroll down. Anyway, you can come down to Tumbleweed Health Center. You can call. There we go. Here, listen to this. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can also email thctucson at gmail.com. You can check out our website at www.tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. That is so pretty. I just got given a little bear gift, and that is just a really, really beautiful stone. I can't read what the... uh, Oh, Oh, it's somebody who made it. Wow, it's gorgeous. I don't know what kind of rock or wood or whatever that is, but it's just absolutely beautiful. Also, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Grower's House at growershouse.com, 3635 East 34th Street. I don't have their phone number memorized, but uh, you can go to growershouse.com and check them out if you want to grow anything, and I mean anything. Uh, i got stuff growing right now. I'm growing some strawberries. Yes, beautiful, beautiful strawberries. We're going away. 
Um, so thank you to Growers House. And also thank you for our sponsor, Canna Health uh, Online Digital Magazine. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. That's right. They're awesome. Those ladies are fantastic. Another woman-owned uh, organization there, so golf clap for that. Okay, everyone's in the kitchen <clears throat> huddled, huddled around food over there, and um, <laughs> we're about ready to have our next guest on, if you all are ready. Um, they're, they're getting, they're, they're bringing, there. oh, they're, they're warming up, they're toasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have Chinese food this morning, Doug. <laughs> breakfast biscuits. Yeah, ooh, cheese, organic breakfast biscuits. So that's something we could definitely have on your farm. Please give a big, big warm welcome to Mr. Dougie Fine. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. How you doing, Doug? Oh, my gosh. Grateful to be alive and so thrilled to be celebrating seven years of tumbleweeds. You guys, that is that is no joke. Seven years. First of all, yeah. let's talk Thank about seven you, years. Yeah. The, the Saturn cycle, right? The seven year, every, right. you know, supposedly our cells yep. all regenerate every seven years. So you guys are on that next plateau of ready to climb babies again, ready to take it to the next level. And I'm excited to be, to be part of that with you all. And then, and it couldn't happen to anybody more deserving, but just as an accomplishment, forgetting about the fact that you're helping people day in and day lives, day in and day out, improving lives, helping lives, even saving lives. You're, you're, uh, any entrepreneurial endeavor, most 90% fail after one year, let alone yeah. a cannabis endeavor, which was deeper into prohibition when you started seven yeah. years ago. And yeah. you guys are just it. amazing. It's an honor to know you. Oh, Thank well, you I have <clears throat> been mentally planning for this show for a long time. <laughs> and I, I was, you know, trying to think of how, uh, you know, what to say about each guest. And you, I actually was sitting in the very first, this is our fourth building that we're actually in. So we had to move quite a bit, you know, things happen in the cannabis industry. And <laughs> so in my, in our very first building, there was a couch and that was it. We didn't have much of anything. We had a TV. And I remember looking up some shows and I found, I found one, a video of you. And I thought to myself, well, why don't you just send him a message and ask him if he'll come on your radio show? And I thought, there's no way, there's no way this guy's going to come on. And <laughs> I swear it was within 24 hours. You're like, Hey, I'd love to be on the show. And thank you. And it was like, it was my first my confidence boost to think that, you know, someone as awesome as you would come on to our little show. So thank you so much for being there for us. And yes. uh, we, we've loved watching you grow and, and we've loved, you know, establishing this friendship with you. And we love what you do. Tell everybody about your hemp planet. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And by the way, awesome attracts awesome. You know, we're all, uh, you know, created at the same moment of this latest Big Bang. And, and so it's like, you know, I'm just as grateful for um, anything that we would consider to be static or so-called negative energy. Because thank goodness, 
whatever it is, it allows us all to reach this point in, in our lives. So it's all meant to be, but awesome attracts awesome. So of course I said yes when you reached out because, you know, um, that, that's how it goes. So yeah, things are continuing to be wonderful and ever increasingly busy. You know, I, I'm, I'm a lucky man. Everything in my life is, is uh, like fringe at this point. Everything is um, icing on the cake because I'm lucky enough to be in good health and have a family, a loving family and good health. So like from there, that's you know we've got enough we we have got enough good food and we'll be growing it finally uh hemp, some of it our hemp food in New Mexico this year um but uh um so everything else is just delightful but the work life if I have a complaint it's a first world problem it's being too busy um but that's okay so <laughs> yeah the minute we get off of this interview I leap into my several hours of morning work on um on a book on my, I have a follow-up book to hemp bound right now that I'm under contract for with the same publisher. And it's, um, um, a very practical sort of like what I've learned as an independent hemp entrepreneur, because the reality is we all knew this when I wrote too hot to fail about psychoactive regenerative psychoactive cannabis. Now getting on seven years ago, it was clear that there would be the situation where there would be what you might call the cores or the Marlboro, of cannabis hemp coming online but the, oh, yeah. the craft brew industry is also extremely big it's it's like a 20 something billion dollar industry so if you decide now you are coming on board on hemp cannabis and you are really going to do something that is better that is something that is different or better than what others have done um you have a real chance if you stick with it like tumbleweed said you have a real chance of being successful so that's kind of what this book is about it's I'm pointing out that in the the product that I do entrepreneurially is, which is just one of the things I do. It's uh, called hemp in hemp. It's very small batch thus far, but even this year, cause I've been so busy, I'm about to go into snowy Vermont for my final Vermont processing. Cause I got to bring the product home here to the Southwest. Um, and I'm really only thinking about doing um, roughly maybe call it a thousand units, a thousand three ounce bottles of this super top shelf farm to table certified organic on the seed, by the way, in Vermont this year. And, um, you know, this really wonderful product, but it wholesales, I think rather inexpensively at $50 a bottle. So a thousand times 50, technically that's grossing my family 50 grand for, you know, only a portion of my work. Now, you know, maybe we can do a slight spoil alert and saying we're talking about teaming up together, you guys and, and myself and thinking about scaling up and partnering on this, product. So do the math. If we go 10 times higher on that to 10,000 units by any stretch of the imagination, that is still a craft small product, 10,000 units. I get calls from like Fred Meyer chain going, can you do 3 million units a month? And it's like, no, that's not me. That's Coors. That's Budweiser. That's Marlboro. So, but but if you have thousands of good farmers that are able to move 10,000 units at $50 each, that's a half million dollar gross income. Obviously there's tons of expenses. We're not talking about banking half a million, but right. that, that's a real living for independent farmers. So that's yeah. the, that's really that's awesome. the topic of the book that I'm working on right now. And also the TV show that I'm doing on the same subject. Whoa. Whoa. Woo. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the TV show. Yeah. Being it's called the so family farmer adventure hour. And um, it's called what? I've always wanted to, I love TV and film. I was a, we, although, you know, we're one of those homeschooling families on a goat ranch here, solar powered and all that business where, where I can brag, we don't have a TV. We all know that means nothing because 
you, you tell me what you want me to watch and I can surf to it on the internet, right? But um, we try to keep that kind of stuff to a minimum. But I do love good movies and good TV shows. So, and, I, and I aspire to do it. You know, some people do Sudoku uh, to keep away Alzheimer's or brain plaque or whatever and I keep the brain in tune. And for me, it's learning new skill sets. And by the way, cannabis, there's some research that cannabis helps keep the brain f- free of brain plaque uh, and, uh, and senility and that kind of thing, which I think is interesting when you consider like a Willie Nelson that's, you know, 84 years old and still playing hundreds of shows per year and very, very sharp mentally. But um, so um, yeah. there's all kinds of TV and film that I want to do. And the first show is called the Family Farmer Adventure Hour. And it's, um, it's telling the stories in kind of a, a it's, a, it's similar to the way that I write books. It's, it's journalistic, but it's humorous. It's serious topics, but it's fun. So it's, uh, it's a show that I, um, I hope will be this kind of show that families around the world will want to watch as they see this true independent farming renaissance that's happening. Like, you look at, like, the governments of the world now, and it seems like it's the worst period ever. You look at diabetes epidemics and, and obesity epidemics, and it seems like it's the worst food year ever. But at the same time, the, there are these threads that the digital age has allowed of a rebirth of knowledge, and that includes cannabis hemp, and it includes independent farming and regenerative farming in general, which is as you're growing your hemp, you're also growing food, but you're also rebuilding soil because so much of the soil is stressed from a, from a century or more of monoculture and, and dangerous pesticides. And then building soil um, also sequesters carbon, which helps fight climate change. So what you're able to do is brag in your product as you do your hemp product or your cannabis product that you're actually part of the solution. You're not just providing a great product, but you're actually helping save the earth. So just yesterday I was on the phone with this company called Elevate Packaging and I ordered for this, this, this hemp run of of 2018's crop for the, for the thousand units. I ordered our, our labels from compostable, um, labels that have non-toxic sticky backings. Like, okay, seems simple, but one step at a time, right? And uh, we harvested our 2016 hemp crop on vegetable oil in, in the combine. So the diesels were running vegetable oils. Last year, we harvested by hand so we could brag that it was a carbon, carbon neutral harvest, right? So there's so wow. many things you can do to shout out that your brand is, is a positive uh, thing yeah. for humanity. Absolutely. You, you, you said a word, um, well, two words actually, put them together, and I want to ask a question because this is, this is a question we get all the time. You said cannabis hemp, just like that, all one word, real fast. <laughs> is it cannabis? Yeah. Is it hemp? So we, we get the question, well, people say, are, are, is our CBD coming from hemp, or is our CBD coming from cannabis? Is our CBD coming from the sky? <laughs> Where is this coming from? Right. What is hemp? versus cannabis. You know, we get that all the time. So cannabis is a plant, right? And nobody as of 100 years ago ever imagined that we would be talking about a delineation between types of the cannabis plant um, for all of history, for the 8,000 prior years that humans have been using this plant. And um, some places in the world actually never bought into that. Prohibition is the only thing that kind of forced the delineation. And so, for instance, China, I'm wearing right now um, 
hemp uh, uh, yoga pants that I like to wear um, from a brand called Rogani. And most hemp fiber for textiles these days comes from China. And one, one of the mm. reasons textiles are stronger and better in China, there's a lot of reasons why China leads the textile industry, including low labor costs. But um, one of them is um, that they never bothered, they don't test for THC. They just grow what they've always grown. And THC is just one component of the plan. Hemoglobin is part of our blood. Your, plant, your, your cannabis wants to have THC in it. Um, and there's, of course, we, as we all know, not only nothing wrong with THC, but many beneficial things about THC. In very, very low quantities, it doesn't make a difference. It's fine for the whole family, just like you can put a few drops of vanilla extract in a, in a children's birthday cake, even though it's extracted with alcohol. They're not getting drunk on that, mm-hmm. but it plays a role. So the, the scale of THC in a uh, cannabis or hemp plant um, is going to range from very, very low, let's say 0.1% for certain uses, through what we see in dispensaries today, really, really high in the flower, let's say, in the, in the 20s, and much, of course, higher when you concentrate and extract them. So we, we have very recently created this, this delineation, which is going, in my view, is going to go away, because I believe cannabis hemp is all one plant. The only reason we even talk about it being delineated is because people are scared about prohibition and, and old drug wars that we've won and that are now over. So I've already given the example of how a so-called hemp industrial product like, like yoga pants um, is going to be grown in a plant that has plenty of THC in it, probably 7%, something like that, right? But on the other side, you have Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico. One of his for- first investments in, in the cannabis hemp sphere was a low THC mint in Colorado that was aimed towards, marketed towards older folks who, who recognize that some THC plays a role, but they don't want to feel too much of a psychoactive effect. So something like a 1% or a 2% um, THC in these mints that also have many other fine cannabinoids, among them CBD and others. So um, you are going to see this entire range where it's completely blurred and it makes no difference. It should make no difference what the farmer is growing in the field. The only thing that should matter is if you have a final product, let's say it's a tincture, if you have a final product that is going to be used by consumers that is above your local or state's threshold for what the THC level that is to be regulated for adult use. I don't like uh, the term recreational because I'm not, I'm lucky enough to be blessed with good health and I don't consider my cannabis enjoyment to be recreational. I consider it to be part of my health maintenance regimen. So I'm neither recreational nor medical, um, but we could call it adult use um, the same way that someone might drink a glass of wine for health each day. Right? So um, yeah, if you're, final product arriving in the local food co-op, the Whole Foods, the Tumbleweeds, the dispensary, the whatever, is above a certain THC threshold, sure, your state or your county might regulate it for adult use as we do today for something like alcohol or tobacco. But it should not be the burden of the farmer nor of the processor to be worrying about micro levels of THC. And that's why I believe that cannabis and hemp are all one plant, and I'm pushing very, very hard sort of as the final stages of activism for this artificial delineation to go away. The delineation of hemp came in a 1976 paper 
by these Canadian researchers, and they said, we arbitrarily pick 0.3% as this definition of this product. Um, and by the way, they very, very interestingly, they, they said in the same sentence, um, tested in relatively, what is it, um, young leaves of relatively mature plants, leaves. They didn't even want flower to be tested because they recognized how unfair that would be to test the flower and put farmers out of business with this ridiculously arbitrary THC level. So what, what we have now is we have farmers that are purposely hindering the quality of their plant with hindering the nutrients, harvesting early, just so they don't fail these ridiculous THC tests that are, that are based on looking backwards as though we didn't win this drug war. We won. We won the drug war. We don't have to be worried about THC anymore. The last thing I'll say about that is processing hemp by any, or cannabis, by any mode other than decarboxylation, and if there's, I know, I'm sure everybody sitting in the room there today knows what I'm talking about, but for those who may be listening who don't, decarboxylation is taking a carbon molecule out, um, changing the acid form of a cannabinoid such as THC, CBD, CBN, CBG, whatever, changing it to its, to its active form, to its delta form, right? So, um, when you make a ganja brownie, when you heat up a uh, uh, um, ganja in, a, in butter, you can do it in any kind of fat to make a cookie uh, for someone. That's what you're doing. You're decarbing. And when you do decarboxylation, which is, by the way, what I do in, in the hemp and hemp product, I infuse the flour in hemp seed oil, um, which is why it's called hemp in hemp. So it's kind of a superfood mixed with, with something that has these, these beneficial cannabinoids in it. When you decarb, you get the exact same ratio in in the um, product that you, that you would have found in the initial flour. So if you had 7% THC in your flour, you have 7% THC in your decarbed lipids. Every other mode that you do, such as ethanol, which is, I think, a decent way of extraction, um, CO2, which I have mixed feelings about, or the ones that I really don't approve of at all, which are coming from uh, petroleum. I'm just a guy who's trying to get petroleum out of his life in general. Um, any of those modes, you are concentrating the cannabinoids and nobody cares. Regulators don't care. Nobody cares that you might start with flour that has 0.2% THC well within today's ridiculous and hopefully soon to change definitions of hemp. But you run it through an ethanol processor and all of a sudden you've got 7, 8% THC, 65 or 70% CBD. And what you do is you either dilute that in the final product or you run it through process that I'm not mad about, such as isolate, isolators, which which extract only certain cannabinoids from it. Why are we punishing the farmers with these tiny micro levels of THC when once we get to the processor, we don't even care about it anymore? So the, it's, it's, the, the short answer to that excellent question is, in my view, cannabis hemp is all one plant, and it should make no difference whether you, what, what THC level you are growing in your cannabis plant until you have a final product that may be going to customers. And when it's going to customers, sure, then the THC level gets relevant. And Postscript, as you, as, uh, as you and I have been talking about potentially teaming up on Hemp and Hemp, I purposely have been growing a, uh, a what they call a dioecious cultivar for the product, meaning it's 
got males and females, and the flower itself gets seeded, right? So we press the seed for the nutritious superfood in the oil, omega balance, all this great stuff. It's got gamma-linaic acid, which is anti-inflammatory. We all know hemp seed oil is great for you. I've already eaten it today. I hope everybody there has too. It's really, really good for you. And then infusing it with the flowers from the same plant, most, 90% of today's producers who would go to a hemp conference with their product would think that would be the terrible way to produce because you get lower cannabinoid levels. Everybody today is like wanting this max, how many milligrams of CBD per unit? And I don't think that is necessarily what the most beneficial or bioavailable way to deliver cannabinoids are. I think we should have those types of products for certain things. Like if someone's really trying to treat themselves with one particular cannabinoid for something like an epilepsy, like a cancer or something like that. But for overall health maintenance, I believe there's a, uh, a benefit to the ratio or the balance of your cannabinoids rather than just jacking up one cannabinoid, which is all well and good. People have been having really good results on hemp and hemp. These small pr- pressings I've been doing, they sell out. But you mentioned when we talk about the potential of teaming up, you know, people really do get a lot of benefit from CBD. So I'm thinking maybe we just also grow a variety that is, you know, Sensamia CBD, really high CBD, and in some of the product line, add that high CBD for those who want higher CBD. But to my mind, the be-all, end-all is not the milligrams of one particular cannabinoid of the flavor of the month that's in your product, but rather the balance that, for lack of a better phrase, that God, God put in the plant. When do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> we were asking Robert Platt about legalization. <laughs> well, the most important thing, I believe, for making sure that we have these broad arrays, this craft brew market. So what I'm visualizing is either a specialty cannabis store or a tum- type tumbleweeds type store place where you see these, imagine going into the finest tea shops in a cheese part of France or the finest wine shop in Sonoma County where you could buy a $30 bottle of wine that's made nowhere else but Sonoma County and a $30,000 bottle of wine that's like the fancy schmanciest 40 year old vintage of some incredible Mendocino winery that, you know, doesn't make anything anymore. And this was their famous vintage that was written up in and whatever newspaper. And so that's that to have that freedom where independent entrepreneurs, farmer entrepreneurs, because it's all about the farmer being part of it. Um, I'll, I'll say something else about that as well. But um, the most important thing is that we have in all of our cannabis and hemp laws, what we call a genetic level playing field, which is the state that regulates, cannabis hemp basically says you can grow any variety of of cannabis hemp. And I think that we're seeing that like in New Mexico, you can grow anything you want. The, the law, we're, we're in our first year and you always have a little things you need to clean up, but they charge you, they, on the list, I'm looking at the application right now. They, they, they charge you $10 per cultivar, but they don't really care what you're growing. It's just your responses to make sure that when they do their THC testing, it comes out under 0.3. So that's really important. Now, when it comes to including the farmer, for, for hemp and hemp, I am the farmer. So, obviously, I'm there not just getting screwed like farmers traditionally do on wholesale prices, but I'm there making that $50 per bottle when it's, when it's sold on a three-ounce bottle, right? Well, 
in the course of the research I've been doing for scaling up for the 2019 crop, I was speaking to a great organic farmer here in New Mexico who, who um, is interested in potentially being the farmer who will grow large scale. I'm going to grow here on the Funky Butte Ranch just for, like, my family's food and my goat's food and all that wonderful stuff. But, um, you know, and for, for some flour for us, sure, but not, not commercial scale. So I've been talking to a farmer here who's just awesome. It's, he's the guy that my family gets our organic alfalfa hay for for the goats. And, and um, he said, okay, so, you know, I, I'm very interested in, in collaborating you know, what, what could I expect to maybe make per acre? And I'm like, dude, I'm talking about like cutting you in on like some form of profit sharing slash partnership level. Like this is not, you just serve us for eight months and then thank you very much. You get a small check and, and you're gone. And this is a really, really important thing. We are re have the potential to reinvent entrepreneurialism here where our yep. goal is not to get bought out by some stock traded company or hedge fund, thank you very much. But no, if we're going to accept investors, they're regional. They're partners that know and care about the region and want to build the, for, the farm, the farm economy, want to sequester carbon. And it's up to us to, to say, listen, we're in the ninth inning for humanity now. We can make a great living. If we, if we sell 10,000 units of hemp and hemp at tumbleweeds and everywhere, we're going to make a great living at it. But we can do it in a right way where everybody benefits. Absolutely. And I think it's super important to give everybody the opportunity because not everybody wants to be a farmer. Not everybody is a good farmer. Not everybody understands it or cares to. People, you know, there's for everybody that goes grocery shopping, what's the percentage of people that are growing their food? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. it, I think the opportunity should be equal for everybody if they want to get in. And, and have a little crop or a little farm or something, or if they want to try and go big and go home, whatever, you know. But I think it's, it's unfair to say, no, you can't do this, or, well, we don't like your hair or your eyes, so you can't come play, or um, it's, it's super important to have equal opportunity. How many plants can a person grow in, in New Mexico right now? Um, it's, um, first of all, I want to agree with what you just said, and also I just do want to say, though, anybody who does get involved in hemp cannabis, this is, again, personal opinion, like the kind of products that I would seek and the kind of people that I would want to partner with. I don't care if you're like, ah, my strength is social media or, you know, I, I'm more of a marketer or I, I design the label. You are in the plant business if you are involved in cannabis hemp. And I believe that everybody in a hemp or can, hemp cannabis entity should be in the farm, on the farm often, like once every week or something like that. Like no matter what, you should be sticking your fingers in the soil, smelling the terpenes, seeing what the product is. If you go up to somebody who is at a trade show or in a dispensary or whatever it is, and they're saying, try our wonderful CBD, it's, uh, it's a wonderful whole plant extract. And you go and you go, oh, okay. Uh, is it certified organic? Um, I think they grow organic. Oh, really? So um, is it grown outdoors or indoors? Um, I'm not quite sure. Okay, so is it, where is it sourced? I think most of it comes from the field in North Carolina. These are not acceptable answers. This should be, oh, I was just there last week. We get 85% of our product from our farm, and you should see these flowers. Oh, my gosh, my fingers still smell good. And everybody should be involved in, in, the, in, the, in the plant process because it's a plant product. It's not just a widget. You're not selling Game Boys or whatever. You're selling a plant that, that people eat. 
So that's that's my personal opinion. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be on the farm every day, but I, I believe everybody should be the farm. And I am, as you know, a big proponent of outdoor cultivation. We don't need to get into that whole debate right now. And there's times for indoor cultivation, especially if it's greenhouse, it's still going to be in real soil and get good God's sun and all that. But I do believe that the infinite complexity of the microorganisms in true soil and the, the, the wavelengths that come from the natural sunlight provide, in the end, better product. But um, So to answer your question about New Mexico, um, I, again, I was just reading the application for my, my home crop. Uh, yesterday is the reason why and um, why it's fresh in my mind. And um, the, it appears that you can grow as, for as many acres as you want in New Mexico. So there's, at first it looked like there was a, uh, a 10 acre minimum, but it appears to be what they're saying is as long as it's in one location for your application, you can grow as much as you want in that one location. If you're growing in multiple locations, it can only be a maximum of 10 acres per location is, is how I'm reading the instructions. And that's, that's for personal uh, grow cannabis, not the whole point three DHC or less thing. No, no, this is, this is the New Mexico state federally approved hemp program. This is oh, 0.3% okay. or less. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That's a lot. You can do a lot. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's fantastic. Like, so for instance, on, on, uh, on hemp and hemp, I believe mm -hmm. that if we were to grow 10 acres, even tw 20 at the max, not more than 20 acres um, of the plant, we'd have enough seed to both save seed for replanting um, yep. which is another reason why that genetic level playing field is really important. It's so that farmers can retain their genetics and not be slaves like the way farmers have been for the last 50 years of monoculture to the corn companies and the, and the wheat companies and whatnot. Um, but yep. um, uh, so for the, like if you were to grow 20 acres, you could on those 20 acres grow enough. The, the, you'd have way more than the, than the flower amount of flour that you'd need for a thousand units of hemp and hemp, but you'd also have enough seed to both press the oil. So it was a true farm to table product and to save half the harvest for, for replanting the next year. So I would say call it 20 acres and then maybe a separate one to three acres of high CBD, Sensimia CBD flower uh, cultivar. If you wanted to infuse the product to have it, have not just that natural balance of the fertilized cultivar, but also a, a, a separate product line that also has like, way higher CBD in it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's amazing. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. And everybody, um, they talk about how much space the average American has in their home. We all have enough space in our backyards to grow our own fruits and vegetables. Because people just don't do it, you know. And hemp should definitely be included in that, for sure. For sure. That's right, for, for my sure. home grow of hemp. Yeah. So I... I still have to pay the same six hundred and fifty plus dollars for the home grow here on the on the ranch for the hemp program. Um, for a while in their rough draft, they had twenty five dollars if it was a personal grow, like I'm doing just here on the ranch. But you're right, it's it's um, it's backyard garden size. It's eighty one plants that I'm growing here on the, and it's going to be if it if it's a successful crop, which I'm you know cautiously optimistic that it will be. That will be enough seed for my family to put in a shake every day to put, you know, just the seed part um, to put, to feed the protein meal from an oil pressing to feed our goats, which they love that and to save some for replanting. And that is, you know, that's a few hundred square feet. That is not a huge amount. Wow. 
that's amazing. That is incredible. That is really incredible. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We all have that ability. But, well, some people are better farmers than others, though, we have to admit. That's why there are some people that do accounting and some people that do, you know, whatever. <laughs> we all have our own skills. <laughs> Doug, do yep. the goats use yes. milk? <laughs> do they give them milk? I, I think they probably give healthier milk when they uh, – when they're eating hemp protein, there's a study out of the University of Manitoba that's actually, I still think I have a link to it on my website, um, but uh, the University of Manitoba did a study that showed chickens that are fed hemp give higher omega-containing eggs than chickens that are fed corn. Mm. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we all know about corn. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of us do. <laughs> Doug, is there something, uh, a final thing you, you want to say to the world about hemp and why you think it's just the best thing ever? <laughs> I think, I, I, I say this honestly, not just because I love you guys, that because it has allowed an entity like Tumbleweeds to exist and to thrive, um, this is the future. You are, you are helping people with healthy products um, and I hope able to be making a, a good living, for, you know, for you and your families and um, growing in a good way, contributing to the community, providing a good place for people that they feel nice and coming into and all that good stuff. So the, the, my favorite thing about it is that we're, we're not so, okay. I, I, I saw, I, I, there's a brief swear word coming up just in case, People are at least listening with the, it has to do with a bumper sticker that I saw just in case people are listening with their kids, just like turn it down for like 30 seconds. Um, but I saw a really funny bumper sticker in Hawaii one time. It was, a, it was for a Bernie Sanders sticker. It said Bernie colon because fuck this shit. And there's many people who feel like, um, like who feel that way that like the system is just so effed up that, um, okay. And you, you can turn your radio back up. That's it for the swear words. Um, that, uh, you know, that there has to be some, like, radical, 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 radical change. And how I feel is we've done we've, – we've, we've made only a couple mistakes in this really wonderful system. And the, the first one is we forgot the basic kindergarten lesson that the earth is a system. It's like if there's 20 kids in the kindergarten class and there's 20 cookies and everybody eats their cookies, there's no more cookies left. Like, you have to, like, figure out a way to, like – keep making cookies if you want people to eat a cookie every time there's a birthday party. So like it's common sense to work in regenerative values and related to that, the other sort of major mistake that we made in our entrepreneurial system is having it owned by pieces of paper, by people who own pieces of paper far away, stock traders or hedge fund managers that it's not their fault. It's the system that they couldn't care less about the well-being of the people that are producing the product or anything else. Like the only thing that they are dispatched to do is that quarter's profits. And so if we do things like regional ownership of our products, then you have the tumbleweeds of the world that are the deciders and the influencers in a community rather than a chain store that's from a different place. So that's that's how I'd like to leave it. That we have a re, we have a opportunity now to actually create an entrepreneurial system sh showing through cannabis and hemp that in everything we do we can support the people that we think are doing it righteously, that are creating the best products, and that are based regionally. Awesome. Absolutely. For the people, for the planet. Mm -hmm. Thank you, hemp. 
Thank you so much, Doug. Doug. We love you so much, and thank you so much for love all you of too. you. I know that uh, you sacrifice a lot to be away from your family to educate everybody and plant farms and crops all over the world, and you're amazing, and we thank your family as well, and hi to kids and everybody, and, and to the goats, and we hope Taylor Swift is, is doing well. <laughs> thank you. And, Julie uh, Andrews is doing great, too. Woo! Awesome! The hills are well, we hope Stevie to Nicks your... is, a, is, is. Go ahead, sir. No, what about Stevie Nicks? She's at a different home right now, but um, but uh, still alive and kicking and doing well. And my family did mention to send their love as well, and look forward to to seeing you soon and hopefully often if we wind up working together, which I hope we do. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you and happy Hemp Day. We love you and thank you for being here for us. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, all you do. Love you guys, and we'll talk soon. Here's to talk to another 70-plus more years or more uh, of tumbleweeds. Amen. Yay. That's fine, everybody. We are going to take a quick break. I'm going to play a little song so I can go use the restroom, and we're going to have Dr. Regina Nelson on.
everybody for tuning in today, and happy anniversary to Tumbleweed Health Center. Tuesday, oh, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, it's all one day happy. All day happy family. Tuesday, um, Wednesday. Happy Thanks. family. All right. Well, we've got two amazing women coming on. We love women. <laughs> right now. And we. <laughs> women in we, oh, but women and we too. Well, whatever. We love the girls. Women in we. <laughs> um, Dr. Regina Nelson, uh, welcome to our show. Hey, girl. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Awesome. How are you? Good. It was good to wake up with Robert and Doug this morning. We just had a We just came in. And so this morning, um, we were kind of confused on our times, and I was kind of half asleep. So it worked out really well. I'm now awake. And <laughs> I, um, you know, I got to appreciate, I think we all met each other right around the same time in, like, 2011. Yeah. And um, I know I met Robert when we met you guys at the Patients Out of Time conference there in Tucson in 2011. Um, or 2012, I think it was 2012. Um, but, you know, so, and I met Doug um, shortly before and then again shortly after, but we don't see each other often. You know, I became a patient in New Mexico. Uh, my oldest daughter still lives in New Mexico. I'm actually doing training there at the end of May and early June. It's still my heart, you know, that, that state. And, um, well, they all are, but... You know, particularly in the ones I've been in the market and know so many patients and business owners and advocates and things like that. And um, New Mexico's really in for a change this year. It was good to hear. And like I said, I just came from Oklahoma, which is my home state. And wow. man, is this a wild freaking west. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's why I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on there? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got a lot going on. Yeah, they got a going on. They, just got they do. You know, Oklahoma submitted um, Big Question 788 last June. And here's what's going on in the South. And Oklahoma is the first to rise. But people know what's going on. People aren't – it's hard to meet somebody now who hasn't been touched in some way by medical marijuana through a family or community member who's left the community to go and seek help somewhere. And um, – or, you know, or know some other, you know – Extended family members who live in other states, how it's affecting their life. So, question 788 made Oklahoma the first true free capital market in medical marijuana. If you have $2,500, you have a license. You don't have to go through these long processes. There are no monopolies. Um, So, it's really incredible to be where I started my journey with cannabis in my teens in the Just Say No generation and watch, you know, 11th Street and Tulsa just pop up with a dispensary here and dispensary there. That was my old strip, you know. Oh, <laughs> I went yeah. in and out of terrible places over that same area to buy pot when I was a kid, you know. And so, um, you know, and over, you know, last year I was arrested in Oklahoma, and that case was dismissed um, in January because they really had to look at it and go, she really was traveling like a patient, not an interstate trafficker. And, right. you know, they have a nice um, process to recognize you from out of state. I got pulled over again two weeks ago on my way back in, and we handed that officer, our, when he told me the car smelled like marijuana, and I was like, well, here, I can. I have a card. 
she was troubled yeah. and blown, mind blown by that. I just handed us our cards back, gave me a warning to the tabloid out, and off we went, as, you know, it should be. Wow. Um, you know, you're not traveling as a criminal. You're really traveling as a patient. And, you know, the laws in this country, I had to appreciate what Robert Plattsford said earlier. You know, now we need a full deschedule. A reschedule is too little too late. Um, yep. Epic Dialects is a schedule five. It should, you know, truly be a full over-the-counter. And, um, you know, we need a full deschedule, particularly for the hemp programs going on. Absolutely. Uh, I have a question. Of you, when you got pulled over, so you got a warning. Was the warning just for the traffic violation, not for the cannabis, correct? Yeah. No, okay. not for the cannabis. He didn't search. He just looked at, he looked at our cards, looked at it. Again, very puzzled because it's so new there. And yeah. we have an out-of-state process, and we have out-of-state cards. It was the first he admitted it. It was the first time he'd seen out-of-state cards. And we may be oh. the only two people that have them, but <laughs> our son and I were traveling with them. And, you know, it was just like, oh, well, okay. Like, welcome to Oklahoma. In fact, when he brought me on a warning afterwards, he'd been in the back with a warning situation for a minute. But all of a sudden, it occurred to me, that's when he was walking up to the window, holy crap, he's just read the whole last year's history, that I was arrested, how many times, you know, all the court stuff, and then we were dismissed. When he came back up to the window, he so politely handed me my warning and license and wished me well at the Green Grow Expo, which is where I was going in Oklahoma City. Um, I think. One of his inquiries was, well, he'd ask me, and I'm going to tell people this, when an officer asks you to step out of your car, your answer can be no. You do not have to comply with that. I did not know this piece of information. I probably wouldn't have been arrested a year ago. But um, mm-hmm. when I, when this officer, you know, he pulled me over for the warning, he said, they have officers circle me in Kansas and Oklahoma all the time looking for a reason to pull me over because I have Colorado plates. And if they don't find one, they don't. And this was on a dark highway, you know, and, and I didn't even know it was caught behind me until the lights came on. I did not know my tag light was out. It changed just three months ago. I didn't assume it was out. But, it, you know, it's this thing of um, step out of your car and come back and I'll write you a warning. And I said, no. Well, ma'am, why not? And I said, I'm disabled and it's 16 degrees. I have fire miles. I'm not stepping out of this car for you to write me a warning. You can write your warning and bring it back to me. Oh. Well, man, your car smells like marijuana. Of course it does. I'm from Colorado. I reek of it. I'm sure <laughs> there's probably some truth to it, so I think it was really doubtful at the time. Um, but it is this thing of like, well, we have out-of-state cards, and he was like, you do? And we had them in his hand within seconds. And he was just like, wow, you really do. Well, all right, I'm going to go write your warning. <laughs> oh, no. And he, and, but he did ask at that point. He goes, why do you have all the boxes in the back of your car? And I said, and my son showed him my business card in the back of it. I can't get books about cannabis. I'm going to an expo to speak, and I have books. And he was like, oh, okay, all right. So there was cool. no question from that point forward. He did not search my car. He didn't ask to. We got our warning. We left. But it is this thing of, you know, the times are changing. And, um, you know, it's never, we've never been in a time and place in history like this. It's really quite phenomenal all across this country. Well, and and how blown away was he when, you know, not only first he smelled the cannabis, but then you've got a pile of boxes of books that you've written about it. Hello, doctor. Like, right. 
Well, you know, that was noted. Here, but, you know, I've got a high officer. I'm so sorry. No, hey, you want one of my books? Let me sign it for you. Dear officer. Well, I'll tell you that. But when, when I did get arrested a year ago, the officer asked me, he goes, I'm going to search your car. What am I going to find in the back? And I go, a ton of books about marijuana. A ton of books about marijuana. And um, the deal was at the time, though, I had a lot of hemp oil on me. I could extract the hemp here in Colorado and by U.S. Farm Bill, we, we take it to Oklahoma. And I had it, and they did not know what they had. And so I was ready to bring in, you know, witnesses like Doug Fine and Max Montrose and many others to be like, hey, it is the same plant. It is the THC content, and they tested it as positive for THC, but then they discarded it. They disposed of it. They did not give me the chance to retest, and according to the test results I had from two days before I left, it was under 0.03% THC. Wow. So, you know, it was hemp. I wasn't a major, you know, THC interstate trafficker as charged, and that was shown, and again, the state dismissed that against Oklahoma, that 788, really changed things there. It is like the Wild West, and um, it's just a whole lot happening. 70,000 patients are registered in, I think it's eight months. Um, You know, and so it is crazy. And what's really interesting about Oklahoma is they, well, they had a really shitty CDD bill before that suffice in their eyes as medical marijuana. They had had TDD shots for a couple of years, unlike most states, before medical marijuana came in. So it is really interesting to see the effects of how these hemp products do affect the general population overall. Again, like I mentioned, not everybody needs THC. Um, some right. do, and in small amounts. And so now um, I'm happy to hear he's coming out with the product line. I just built a protocol for um, CBD Plus USA, who is an Oklahoma company, who just sponsored the event, um, the main event that we did in Oklahoma, and we did it at Oklahoma State University in Oklahoma City, and we packed out a conference room doing our clinician training. And so, um, you know, when I first got arrested last year and had to keep going back to court, the state gave me a platform to come in and educate. I've now educated thousands of Oklahomans and hundreds of Oklahoma doctors to follow my accredit, you know, a curriculum is accredited for CME. And so it's really been quite interesting, um, you know, to have an effect in my home state, um, which is really um, quite unexpected at how liberally their medical marijuana would come in because they don't have a list of qualifying conditions. A doctor may recommend medical marijuana for any condition they feel may benefit the patient, and that's huge. That's just absolutely huge because you don't fall into just 30, 20, maybe 45 categories. It's really open to anyone who is a patient who wants to try this. And as Robert Platform mentioned, most of the time when people come to this, it's their last resort and they're desperate. And one of the things they say in recovery is they wish it was their first option. They wish they'd known about this earlier. And so that's the mission that I guess all your guests today really have in common because it's in common with you guys. We all share the same values. Absolutely. Awesome. We, we really do. And it's it's so important. You know, I and I you know, I I see it changing. I know you see it changing and I just can't wait to the day where we're sitting around laughing, you know, because it's gonna be everybody's first choice. Maybe not laughing, but rejoicing in the fact that it there will be a day that it you, you, your doctor will say, Hey, we've got cannabis, we've got excedrin, we've got you know, chemo, we've got what do you want? You know? And it's gonna be in the list. It's not gonna be 
you know, an alternative. I hate that. And they say it's an alternative. It's not an alternative. It should just be a choice that you can make. Which one do you want? What do you want to use? Lavender? Do you well, want to use? Right. Well, and it boils down to, again, most of these things, you know, the endocannabinoid system is a neurotransmission system, and that's built upon our eating the right foods. And if we were eating as like Doug is doing proactively so in our health, we'd have healthier endocannabinoid systems and less chronic and terminal illness. Well, I'm going to ask about that. <laughs> tell, talk to everybody and tell them what is our endocannabinoid <laughs> oh, wow. The endocannabinoid system is an extremely complex receptor system. You can't point to it in your body. And unlike other neurotransmitters, it's not like stored in your vessels. It's not like serotonin and dopamine or adrenaline where you can point and say, hey, we make this over here and we store it and it's released on demand. Well, the reason it's released on demand is the endocannabinoid system demands it. And it's selectively recruited. And it's kind of this messenger system that's really over everything in your body. And scientists are coming to understand things like fibromyalgia. Um, and I'm, I'm going to truthfully believe um, things like Alzheimer's are driven by endocannabinoid deficiencies. Because, of, again, as Robert talked about that video and other things, we see these miraculous, often these miraculous outcomes. Now, that's not true with everyone. Um, we always get a quality of life improvement, even if someone starts cannabis therapy in their final hours. Um, families testify to that all the time. Um, people often go into it really seeking a cure, and that's where we're really off, is I don't think there are cures for most terminal <laughs> and chronic illness. I think we've all suffered in this endocannabinoid deficiency state so long that it would take a long period of time for us to improve. So I think people have to have patience with the therapy. Some people get um, small results right off the bat. Some people get astounding results. Everybody wants the outstanding results, but we've got to understand that all of our bodies are different. And so it's about taking a consistent approach. I like that Doug mentioned that he doesn't like the term recreational I don't use it. I use it as, and I don't like the term medical, truthfully, because I believe, as he does, that all use is helpful use. And so based on that, I like the terms casual use and focused use. And so Doug would fall into that focused use. It's a part of his regular health regimen. And if we were all that way, we'd be in a lot better health. Casual use, though, has been shown to be really good for you. And, um, you know, it's definitely not harmful. It's like occasionally taking vitamins instead of being on a vitamin regimen. And um, bucking up on vitamin C when you feel a cold coming on instead of taking it every day. And some people know they benefit from taking it every day. Other people don't see that benefit if they take it every day, but they know if they're getting a cold, they should buck up on that, and they do. Um, you know, and so other things like that. But then the cannabinoid system is really much more complex than, you know, we first learned about in 2011 because scientists are really starting to get a better understanding of it. And what's interesting to me is they discover new endocannabinoids and new have new understandings of the way this system transmit, transmits messages throughout the body, it's really clear that it's also tied very much in with our capsaicin lines, our endogenous vanilloid lines, you know, and these different 
neuromessaging, things that are all built around you, again, eating the right food and being often made upon demand based on the foods you eat. And endocannabinoids are very much an on-demand system. And that's why, you know, using medical cannabis or why people get such a result from THC when they smoke cannabis is because they just have this huge endocannabinoid system reaction throughout their whole body. Absolutely. Yeah, I heard that that's also a reason why it works for so many things because we have receptors all over. Well, we can make them on demand. You know, again, all of our body, you got to think about this works at a cellular level. And if you think about your heart, we've had a heart our entire lives. There's no point in time you have been without a physical heart in your body, (laughs) typically, unless you had a transplant. But that was very short. But the deal is, you don't have the same heart you had six years ago because cells die out and they go away and new cells come in. And so if you look at different parts of the body, scientists go through and, and they, you know, you don't have the same skin you had two years ago. It works at a different, you know, rate and pace. And so endocannabinoids are very much, you know, made upon demand. And what we know is that they're there to balance the body and bring homeostasis um, through all of the different, mess- you know, the immune system and the nervous system, which are our main messaging components in our bodies. And so um, that's why, again, this works so well as a supplement. But it's a food, and it's a food we've had prohibited for 80 years. Because if mm. we were eating it, and it was just a regular part of our natural diet, when you rolled up a joint and smoked it, it wouldn't be that big a kick of it in the pants as it is now. And so I don't really know why we have such issues with people doing that and experiencing euphoria in a healthful way when we're okay with them doing that in an unhealthy way, you know, with alcohol. And, um, you know, so and hops is a sister. When you drink beer, you do get some CBD. There's some, you can have beer in low levels, you can have wine in low levels and, and have good responses. But again, you can also take those things out of balance. And the same may be said true of, you know, throwing yourself out of balance with cannabinoids. And people often do that when they take too much THC too fast and they have a very uncomfortable or unpleasant and distressing experience. So the training that I do in teaching clinicians or people who are clinicians, in a sense, for people who are using cannabis, um, is to really help them understand, you know, consistent ways to help people have pleasant experiences around cannabis and utilize the least amount of THC that they need to to get the type of results that they're looking for health-wise. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And it's, that's a, uh, you know, that's a nice way of explaining it because we get a lot of people, older people that come in and they're so afraid of the high. They're just so afraid of it. They're just, they'll take <clears throat> Vicodin or morphine before and not even think about the effects that they're going to get, you know, using that. Yeah. But can't, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I don't know about that stuff. <laughs> right, you know? right. But when you can start them on things that are not uncomfortable, the main thing is, is there's a lot of social stigma around being high. And it's funny, mm-hmm. people that have never been high the first time they experience it, you know, they don't necessarily think that it's bad. I've been telling the story recently because I've started my mom and my stepdad on a full-spectrum product, but it's really low THC. And so I was going to start them on a bottle where they could work up from a half ml to a full ml. There's only two milligrams of THC in one ml. And then I was going to move them each 
to their own individual bottle where it would be equivalent of six milligrams of THC per ml. But once they got used to that one ml in the first bottle, they would switch over and only take like a half an ml in the second bottle. Well, my stepdad is 84 years old. He's never listened to me, not not since I've known him, since I was like 10 years old, for 45 years. <laughs> and so he just skipped the first bottle because it, it didn't have his name on it and the other one did. And he started oh, no. with that one. And I was afraid that, you know, here's a man that's never used cannabis ever in his life. And he had a very pleasant experience because he only got three milligrams. And it would have been nice to feel comfortable starting him that way. But he was so adamant he did not want to get high. I wanted to start him with less, you know, with only one milligram. And he handled it quite well. But it is that thing of he was convinced that there was no THC in it whatsoever. And when I let him know that there was, he was kind of surprised, but he goes, well, maybe that's why I just feel better. Yeah, maybe it is. But what he did notice is this is also a man that takes his blood pressure twice a day. And his blood pressure evened out, and it started the day he began the cannabis therapy. All of a sudden, his blood pressure has just been good as gold. Yep. You know, so I was like, well, take those records to your doctor. You're on medication. Don't change your medication or quit taking it unless you talk to your doctor, you know. So... Um, and let them know what you're doing because I think it will surprise them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Maybe that's why I feel better. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, maybe that's why I feel better. <laughs> that's fantastic. Words from babes in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and those, that group, that age group, the 80 plus, they're hard to get change their minds and 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 they know everything already and you're not going to tell them different it's one of those you know kids are being seen and not heard (laughs) yeah it's been their entire lifetime and it was so prohibited in their formative years it was really you know in the 60s when it became more popular something the hippies did you know and if they weren't in that part of the culture they weren't really exposed to it. And that was my stepdad. Even in the Navy, he goes, oh, there were some guys who did that, but they were just no-gooders in the Navy anyway, you know? But it was like, oh. And that was, you know, in the, you know, in the 50s, yeah, late 50s, early 60s. And then, you know, he just didn't have any exposure. That wasn't his thing. And so when I got into this, it was quite stunning. And um, for them to have to take a different look at it, my mom is a retired science teacher who always fancied herself a botanical scientist. So, it, and she hates the government. So it was easy for her after the facts came forward to really get behind this and be really proud of me for the first time in my life because I'm doing something in her field in a sense that she's really proud of because as a social scientist, I've had to learn a damn lot of science in this as a patient because I was sick and I was desperate and I needed answers. And um, so that combination of things have placed me in an interesting, you know, position in the cannabis space because, you know, I do the for-profit work. I do a lot of consulting and education and things like that for companies. And then with the nonprofit, the ECS Therapy Center, we have the Plant a Seed for Cannabis Education Tour. We do the condition training, certification, and so I'm really well known for that. But we also have our first big social project out, and it's about to get a ton of um, exposure. So I'm going to first challenge tumbleweeds on this, but um, we have the Signs for the Times project going, which is to develop sign language around cannabis and hemp 
use, manufacturing, processing, patient, you know, terminology, all of these kind of things. We brought a team of deaf professionals into Denver last year and put them through the level one condition training and exposed them to hemp and cannabis cultivation and dispensaries. And they've now built a larger deaf professional team, um, now having more chemists and botanists and um, farmers and other people on it because they realize the depth and the breadth of the language that they that really isn't there in the deaf community. And as a part of that, we're also building a textual glossary of words and definitions because sign language is very contextual and different than that. But that will be translated into multiple languages in Braille. And we have several celebrities that are currently and will this week be filming some public service announcements for us. So I'm really excited to be able to tell you today that Tommy Chong and Chong's Choice is going to come in and be challenging other brands to get behind a really strong social cause um, in this industry through the ECS Therapy Center. So I'm just really excited that we finally gained some momentum with this really important project because as a social scientist, what I realize is that language normalizes culture. And it's really important that the deaf population, a very large population of people, have the language to be able to communicate about this. And we do see some deaf um, dispensaries and hemp farms that are also getting behind this, including homegrown organics in southern Oregon. And... Um, you know, they're just coming in full force because they're really excited because they feel very isolated and um, find it very difficult, you know, to um, participate in the cannabis community. And so we very much want to start bridging those gaps and normalizing cannabis through language, through this enormous language project. So I'm really excited about it. So I'm hoping that you guys will get behind it and raise awareness in you, your community by hosting a fundraiser for us at Tumbleweeds sometime oh, this we, year. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to do that. You know, um, maybe you know or don't know, I'm an interpreter myself, and I interpret for the I did class. not know. Oh, yeah. I've, that's Wonderful. What I, the, we need yeah. to have you involved in this as a business owner as well in this project. Well, we, we, you know, we, I've come to find many people are touched by this. Yeah. They are. And, you know, I, I know that one of the struggles is coming up with a sign for just the word, you know, um, cannabis or marijuana, um, because, you know, when you sign it, like you smoke or whatever, it's kind of, it'll yeah. be kind of uh -huh. derogatory and they, people quench their face and they're like, no. And, you know, I try and spell it out so that, you know, they can, or you just, you have to spell out pot or weed or whatever, or you do the sign and well, people don't necessarily like that sign for, you know, because people don't do that anymore. Well, you know, they eat it, they have right. patches. They do all sorts of different things. Yeah. yeah well, does you know what I've come to? What I've come to discover doing this, and it really opened to my eyes to how oppressive the language in our community is and how often we talk derogatorily about something we love because we don't have the words to talk about it in a more favorable fashion. And we're finding those, and language is changing. Most of us say cannabis now instead of marijuana or pot, you know, unless we're talking about something in history or with our friends and making a joke or along those lines. But most of us, when we present or we're talking with patients, we really refer to the cannabis plant. And that's a step that's been really solidified in the last five years 
that I, I just get stronger and stronger, and that's because the culture's changing. And so, again, as a social scientist, I find all of this just fascinating. Um, and so when someone, and it was an interpreter um, who brought this project forward and has really um, um, championed it over a course of a couple of years. And um, we now, again, we have a large um, number of deaf professionals involved because it really needs to be from them. The ECS Therapy Center is hosting the project. I'm really thrilled that we can do this as our first real big social project because when I founded the ECS Therapy Center, I did that knowing that it will go on long after I'm gone, that I don't have a hold on that. It's a nonprofit organization. It's different than when you own a for-profit and you get to make all the choices and decisions <laughs> and all of those kind of things. And I have a board of directors that, you know, well, I have a lot of um, yeah. latitude. They certainly keep me in line and every occasionally tell me I'm being crazy and I need to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and, you know, what's um, So I'm really excited because we'll be able to offer the video glossaries and the textual glossaries out free of charge to all of our contributing partners so that this information goes out. So as they're developing stuff, Kim, you're going to be able to keep up and be on top of stuff. And I hope you become a part of the team so that you can share the day in and day out of what that means. Because we also have an interpretation team. We have, you know, the deaf professionals are leading the language development, but we have an interpretation team that's supporting them and, again, supporting the textual process when they can because they're in this industry and understand the depth of the language because there's so much of it that we need to clarify. There is. There is a lot of clarification needed, and I think, you know, adding some new signs to that and uh, making it more positive is just going to be, you know, one step again, closer to, to bridging the gap between all these communities. Um, every, everybody needs to have equal access to this. And uh, it's, it's nice because now if, when I'm at home or wherever I am, I'll get a call, hey, can you come interpret them quick? Someone wants CBD. Can you come interpret for a certification? Can you come interpret for an evaluation? Someone has a question. And it's happening more and more, um, the deaf communities uh, realizing that we offer, you know, free interpreting services uh, and it's, it's really neat to be able to keep doing because that was what I was doing before tumbleweeds. I was an yeah. interpreter for years. So, you and I love it. Well, well, you know, yeah. here's the deal. I was contacted just two weeks ago by a major university in Illinois, or no, I'm sorry, in Missouri, who's hosting a funded pro- program because they've got a new medical marijuana project. And they called and they were like, we found signs of the times online. We need help because you guys – it will take forever to interpret this and spell everything that is going to go on in there. We don't even, we're not even familiar with what they're saying. So, oh my God, what you're doing is really important. And now while they're university professors that teach science, they're going to come in and volunteer for science for the times because they get it and they get it really fast. And so we're hearing more and more of that and we're getting more, um, deaf awareness, um, nonprofits and agencies and other things. It's not been directly involved because, again, there's still some concern about federal funding and many of these groups, they rely on federal funding to run their programs. And you know what? We would, too, if there were any available to us to do a project like this. But because it's cannabis and hemp-oriented, there is not. So we are reliant upon the public and upon this 
industry. And it's terrible because this industry is saddled with 280E, which means if they donate, they don't get to deduct it from their taxes like all the pharmaceutical companies who donate to Susan B. Komen. So right. all of that said, it's an important project. We're looking for people to go out and talk about their own brands and their community. I love tumbleweeds. You guys know that. I've been in and out of a number of your stores as you've grown. And I just love what you guys do. I want you out there showing your brand, showing how you're helping the deaf community and doing a fundraiser that, you know, supports the project but also brings awareness in your community and the deaf community understand Tumbleweed then is a really safe space for them to be. And you you build that slowly anyway, but let's find ways to help build that faster because, you know, one of the deaf professionals came to bring it to my attention at a conference, not just how many people are deaf, but even just hard of hearing. Uh And really we need to be closed captioning more and doing more so, you know, again, to be to be ADA compliant, that was my background in human resources with organizations. And this industry has grown to the point we need to start becoming cognizant of our need and that we're only servicing a small consumer base. If we would broaden the language and speak out, the deaf community is huge and they have family members who would appreciate and support brands who are supportive of their loved ones. That's absolutely so true. true. So true. That's so true. Yeah. Thank you, Heidi. I'm looking at her name on here, Dr. Regina. Um, we actually yep. need to get over to Heidi. She's been sitting on the phone like oh, you. Thank so Heidi, you so I said her. hi. Yes, and she just sent a little message and said, hi, Regina. So. Yeah. <laughs> Love her, too. Love her, too. Today's been a great day listening in, and I'll continue. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me back on, and congratulations on your seven-year anniversary. I feel actually kind of a little sad because last time we did this, I sat on your couch there with you and did this, and it was like so after years of doing your show to do it and do bomb hits with you guys and just have a really good time. I'm I'm missing the hugs today, so feel virtually hugged. I love you guys. I'm so proud of what you do, and thanks for including me. Oh, absolutely. We're really excited about all your projects. I'm excited because I asked Regina the other day if any of her books were on tape, and she's in the process of recording one now. I don't yes. I don't read well, so I would yeah, love we're, to get back to one of her books, and I'm excited I get to do so very soon. Yeah, The Survivor's Guide to Medical Cannabis is out now. We're updating it. We'll have a second edition out late this summer, and when that comes out, we hope to have the audio book along with it for the first time. So I'm super excited about that. That's so great. Speaking about, you know, talking about, you know, reaching a bigger audience. There you go, right there. Um, I'm excited. We're all excited about the sign language project. I would be more than happy to chat with you about that later. Um, It's really exciting. And we just, we love you. We love what you do. We love your positive energy. You know, you get pulled over, you're probably still smiling at the officer. You know, I can just see, like, hey, officer. You know, maybe a little frustrated, but we just love who you are. We love the joy you spread and the knowledge that you spread, and we just can't wait to see you. Oh. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm looking forward to you doing an event in Tucson maybe later this year. So we'll talk about that here soon, too. You guys have a great one. Love you. Um, thank great, you. Great day and happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. Happy New Day. Love you. All right. Dr. Regina Nelson, everybody. Love thank you. you so much. All right. Go get a cup of coffee. Uh, go to the bathroom, go pee, do something, do whatever you need. In just a moment, we're going to have on Miss Heidi Hamper. Woo-hoo!
Yeah, she gets magic and all of that. <laughs> we'll have her on in just a moment. Uh, for now, we're going to give some shout-outs uh, to Tumbleweed Health Center, 4826 Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and come check out our new tinctures. And Miss Heidi's going to tell you all about them. Central Tucson. Those are super exciting. Uh, we have a 125 milligram, a 250, a 500, and a 1,000 milligram for whatever aches and pains and whatever whatever you need it for. We have uh, a spearmint, a natural, a cinnamon, and a botanical blend, which has got, oh, my gosh, so many wonderful things in it. It's just, just a blend of beauty. A botanical blend? Yes. Oh, it's amazing. It's I amazing. want that. Yes. <laughs> Everybody wants that. <laughs> um, so... Come on down to Tumbleweed Cell Center. You want to get uh, certified or not. If you want the CBD, come on down. You don't need a card for that. Anybody can have that. CBDs um, for everybody. CBDs for everybody. So what medical conditions uh, will qualify you for a medical condition card in Arizona? PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, ALS, uh, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition, or the treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition that causes uh, cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe and chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including those characteristic of epilepsy, severe or persistent muscle spasms, including those characteristic of multiple sclerosis. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. To Canna Health Magazine, uh, the online digital magazine. This little program seems so funky today. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, let's see if we can get up. If not, we won't. Uh, maybe not. But thank you, Canna. Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. We're going to try to hopefully get over to Heidi Hamford. This thing seems so weird. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Let's do it. Ready for Heidi? Miss Heidi Hamford, everybody. Good morning. Hey, happy Weed Day Wednesday. Thank you. How are you doing? Wonderful. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. Oh, great. Now, you, now Bellstar says that there's a, a new product coming out, and you're, you've been uh, talking a lot about terpenes lately. Yeah, well, that's why they also call me the terpene healer. So um, I've been working with Terpene Healer. You can find that at terpenehealer.com and uh, read up on my blog and some of the stuff I've done with the autistic. I really focus on autism. But um, that's my specialty. That doesn't mean that's my strict focus. I work across all the platforms with uh, many different conditions with people and assist clients in getting the best usage out of whatever medicinal cannabis they may be using wherever they are. And in what state? I can counsel them from anywhere. Awesome. And so, yeah, and so with the advent of oils and concentrates and all of that going on for years, um, like back when I met you, Gal, um, years ago, <laughs> yeah. even before before the show, um, yeah. 
yeah, uh, I had helped many clients and many patients to go and learn how to pick their medicine. And mm. when they were in the stores, they got to smell all the different jars. And not one single person spent a dime on something that was not appealing to them. Right? Right. And so in today's world, I've replicated that with my terpene bar that I hold at events now. And I actually um, market my terpenes as well on site where people can go and, and they, they actually smell out of a, a wine glass or a champagne glass, the terpenes, and they're full aroma. And I have them pick from there. And I can actually identify whatever condition they're actually trying to treat just by what terpene they pick. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Holy cow. That's where, yeah, and it's become, like, I have a fellow right now I'm formulating for right here in South Florida where I'm just formulating their stuff and then um, putting it together for them. And it's all a terpene-based product. It's not based on a flavor profile. It's built on a terpene profile. And that profile isn't built to replicate a plant. It's built to replicate what, what they want for the effect in their medication and in their right. product. So one is going to be for um, pain and inflammation, and then the other one is for um, focus and activity. So they're mm. doing opposite ends of the spectrum. And so there's all sorts of different ways we can put them together. Like with uh, the Tumbleweeds brand, I am so excited about, and I'm going to forecast right now, I am going to forecast the best-selling product going off the shelf of the different flavors and varieties will be spearmint. Oh, okay. You think so? I well, I, I gauge that because people need to pick not by what is appealing to their mouth, but by what is appealing to their body. And when you look mm-hmm. at the terpene profiles of the different flavors that we have, and I'm only going to call them a flavor because that's how they're presented on the brand label. In my mind, they're terpenes. Yeah, and that's how I look at each individual one, and that's how choices are made about what we're putting in what. So the citrus or the botanical blend is going to be fantastic for people who want to focus and getting through the day and the energy of that citrus in the botanical. The cinnamon is where your diabetics should hang out. Ah, because, um, yep. Cinnamon helps to regulate blood sugar. Wow. Spearmint is your pain manager. Spearmint is loaded in myrcene, beta-caryophylline. As a matter of fact, let me go back to my computer. Um, I have the lab results pulled up on the spearmint. And I can tell you exactly the um, terpene profiles that are in that. And so that, you know, people are picking going, oh, the spearmint is so lovely. It's just wonderful. Well, they love the cinnamon. But if they were to truly really analyze and pick from a terpene bar like I can present, they may actually identify something completely different. They're only picking because of their flavor palette. Right. But that also would coincide that you think your body would recognize something that they need, you know, based on the smell that they like. Exactly. Well, it goes right to the limbic system. And so when yeah. you jump into that limbic system, that's very emotional for people, too. That's why cannabis is so emotional for people. And I explain to people many times when they talk about cannabis and usage and the possibility of addiction, in all of the clients, and I'm talking, I've dealt with hundreds, if not a few thousand, um, what I find is never a physical addiction, it's an emotional addiction. Mm. As a matter of fact, I have another client that has a very serious case of cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, which 
it does exist. It's not a fallacy, and I'm a full supporter of cannabis. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to. It's called cannabis. It's called cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, and it happens in a select group of very heavy cannabis users. And um, what I think is happening, and I, I'm searching to find a neurogastroenterologist to talk to about this, because our gut and our brain are tied together. Um, yep. I sincerely believe from my experience of dealing with this client for two years that what happens is their enteric nervous system gets overloaded with cannabinoids, and that's when their body goes, uh-uh, nope, don't want it. And it's a very extreme, violent pain. Mm. Um, this client actually is the, it is the most clinical pr- professed doing the hot shower, scalding themselves in the shower to a point of having blisters on the back that I actually had to point out to a hospital two weeks ago because they sent them home from the hospital without treating an open wound. Whoa. So, you know, I'm going into the hospital with people and trying to help them manage this because what actually is the only thing that works for this client to stop the attack when it goes to full-on attack is IV Dilaudid. They never take one home and eat them because their body doesn't digest them at home and they don't never have an effect. It only works in the port and IV Dilaudid. Interesting. Well, with where pain management has went, um, no ER doctor in South Florida is going to be prescribing Dilaudid on the ER floor. That patient has to be admitted. Oh, wow. So it's a very, very serious condition, and we've actually found that there have been two deaths across the nation that I know of at this point that have died due to effects of cannabis hyperemesis syndrome because it's very violent, vomiting and um, explosive diarrhea. I mean, the entire enteric nervous system is freaking out from the belly out, and it wants it out. And so it's going to do everything it can to get rid of it. And it's something I have never experienced until I met this client. I hope I never, ever meet another person with it because it is so... It's painful for me to go to the hospital with them because I'm very empathetic. Yeah. And so I have to work with them on pain management and diversion, driving knuckles into certain areas in the spine for redirecting pain and trying to replace that hot shower as they rise on a hospital gurney. Mm. So, you know, I've been through some very, very intensive situations. So there are cases where I tell people, absolutely, cannabis is not your friend, and this is one. And it was actually emotional for me to tell them that. So back to the limbic system, that's how we all get so attached to this plant, so emotional about it, because it also ties into, if you think about, there are certain things in your childhood in a certain sense that will trigger a childhood memory. Oh, yeah. That's also what cannabis is working on, and it it triggers those memories. Um, And an example of another client that I helped, was a woman who is allergic to multiple opioids, can't take anything. And so she has major um, cervical neck damage in her, in her neck and her spine and was constantly nauseous, could not eat. The nausea couldn't stop it to save her life, was using concentrates at very high levels in the legal state and was going through multiple grams per month. Well, we sat down and I did what's called a terpene test with her. And we identified what was good for her and what was not good for her. And I actually formulated CBD formulations for her based on the profile she identified. 
And there are things that I usually put in multitudes of all of my formulations for people that absolutely will not go in hers. And one of those was beta-caryophylline, which beta-caryophylline is hugely beneficial for the multitudes of the people. This one specific person, absolutely not. But another interesting thing that we did to dial in on what worked for that one particular client was she had identified that snow leopard was her mecca. When she had snow leopard, that everything was perfect. Huh. And so I went and looked up the snow the, the terpene profile of snow leopard. Now mm-hmm. I can't replicate God's plant, but I had <laughs> her sit down with her nose and get as close to it as we could. And so now we have her to where now she's only vaping. She's decreased her um, concentrate consumption. She's managing her pain again. No more nausea. She's able to eat because she was like just barely over 100, 125 pounds, and she should be about 140. So um, there was a lot of that going on with getting nutrition back into them too. Yeah. So. There's lots of things going on out there, and we need to stay appraised. And I really hope more people will look into the cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. A way that we can work around that with people who love this plant is terpenes. Terpenes don't hold the cannabinoids that the endocannabinoid system in these specific individuals do not like. Mm. So how do you... Go ahead. Well, how do you know which, which terpenes to... Um, introduce somebody to? I mean, what, just based on well, their ailment alone or, or? When I have them in my hands, I use their nose and their senses. Mm. When I have them at a distance, I use their condition. Okay. And the thing that's amazing about that is, um, <clears throat> you know, they may like spearmint, they may like cinnamon, they may like basil, but I give them something that's woody and has that little cinnamon hint because it's got a lot of vetiver in it for the antispasmodic for a Parkinson's person. And something that I would find repulsive, I'm like, ew, ew, I hope they like that. They go, oh, my God, that was heavenly. Oh, yeah. And that's because I'm dialing in and directing it for that person. Now, right. not everybody can do that. And so that's why branding like you guys are doing and adding the terpenes and and. Trying, well, when you guys get to where you want to focus on terpene profiles and do that type of thing, that will be an option. But um, people have those options now. And what frustrates me is that so many people are out there trying to replicate a plant. Well, it's right. not about we love the flavor, we love that plant. Let's keep that in nature and promote laws that allow us to have flower so that we can maintain those, those strains. And I really hope to see people preserving land races Everything I see in South Florida coming out anymore is a hybrid. Yeah. Hybrids can be fantastic, but land races is where it began. And that's where we have certain terpenoids and terpenes and alkenes and all the different things that may get bred out because they want something else. Is there a vault of the land races out there? (laughs) The original? I, I would pray. Um, I'm sure there's some old grower out there someplace. I mean, I remember when I was in Arizona with you guys at Patients Out of Time, there was a fellow that came in from somewhere out in the pecan trees or someplace, some old rugged, rustic farmer. He brought in some of the best tangerine I think I'd ever laid a nose on. I've never smelled anything like it since. 
But we have people like that old fellow from back in the relics who has probably preserved something somewhere, somehow, and I hope that we embrace those people and change laws so that they can come forward and not worry about going to jail. Um, We actually have a great thing going on here in Florida. Um, A young man here who has professed to be an old grower back here in Florida years ago has brought out his strains. And so we now have a dispensary that is putting out Sunshine Kush. And Gainesville Green just came out this week. So we're actually having Florida strains that are coming out through our dispensary model in in Florida. Awesome. you know, they're they're embracing the grower, not going, oh, you're a criminal. Right. He's not. He's somebody who's helped people for years. Oh, the heart on this guy is just huge. One of the best people you'll ever meet. Uh, Chris with Sunshine Cannabis, uh, just a dynamite fella. And um, for him to be able to come forward and be honest about what he did previously and have his strength come out on a corporate market, which – it's frustrating to me that I don't want to talk about the whole vertical integration in Florida because it's just maddening. We need horizontal desperately so that more yeah. patients can have access and help. Yeah. But True. it's such a mix because we have them embracing a homeboy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So what do you do? <laughs> I, I, I'm carded and I, participate in Sunshine Cannabis brand because they're fantastic and he stuck as close as he could. And as soon as we have flour available, I'll be out of the concentrates and onto the flour product. Mm. So hopefully that'll be soon. Our legislative body is working on it right now. Can't wait till it comes here. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, We were going to ask you a question about vaping, um, about the the carriers that they use out there. Uh, How do you feel about What's going on in the vape world these days? Uh, well, as I, I'm going to cover it on a couple subjects here, if you don't mind, because for 38 years I smoked tobacco products. Mm. And as of Black Friday last year, I transitioned onto a mod, and I now vape my nicotine. Mm. And so with that, I was always very anti-vaping of concentrates that were mixed with anything, but I understand with resins what you have to do to be able to even make them combustible in that type of an item. So you have to have some kind of a thinning agent and propellant. So I did a lot of research and I started doing a lot of homework and we don't have enough answers, but what I will say, it's better than, with tobacco at least, I will totally say it's better than smoking the whole plant product. Um, when you combust tobacco, there's so much that's done to it, and it's really, really bad for you, whereas they have found, and it's been proven um, by actually a U.S. researcher, Dr. Donald Tashkin. We've talked about him before. He's proven that cannabis smoking is much more, is beneficial, actually, to smokers, and smoking the cannabis plant is actually good for people. And he's mm. paid by the U.S. government to do that study for 10 years. So I really prefer to see people smoke the whole flower plant. But in today's world and what they're doing and not wanting to smell the plant, um, they want to take it all to oils, which uh, people have their preferences as well. With oils, you can have a more stealth um, dosing and be able to utilize your medication in more uh, areas. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and possibly even in public, depending upon where you are and how you are about it. Um, right. Patients, I know a lot of patients that fly with their meds and they vape in the bathroom in the airport so that they can medicate. Yeah. Never on an airplane. Ever, ever, ever. Don't ever do that. But if you're in the bathroom at the airport terminal, there are many patients that will go in there and medicate, especially if they have a layover on a long flight. Right. <clears throat> so yes. a lot of that stuff happens and it's necessary. So there's propylene glycol is one of the biggest things that people are concerned about. In mm-hmm. my research and what I read about where propylene glycol really became a problem was when it was combined with the butter flavoring. All of the alerts and the alarms and the freak out came from the whole microwave popcorn era. And this is some hangover from that. So as long as we're not using a butter flavored product or anything that's mixed with that kind of butter flavoring, so far to date, haven't seen any super serious problems with propylene glycol and the popcorn lung, as they call it. Oh, popcorn lung. I got it's it. It's a matter of there was a synthetic flavor that was added that was a false flavor. It was not a um, – it was, it was synthesized. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And Heidi, and nowhere so – back to the brand again, that's where – it's so fantastic to have the flavors that we do have in the Tumbleweeds brand because they are pure, pure and true essential mm. oils of the plant. They're not mm. synthesized. They're not adulterated. Um, well, they're not adulterated until I get my hands on them and poke them in that bottle. Right. But that's why they taste but, so good. I, I told Heidi, I said, in all the years that almost eight years we've been in business, and of all the CBD things I've tasted, this is the only product I would I would use, and I'm going to use because I have um, blood sugar imbalances, and I think cinnamon daily would be really good for me. Um, but it tastes yeah. good. It's really good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's- I know. I it was just sheer heaven and happiness here, filling and mixing and doing my magic. But you know, also I wanted to do talk about the terpenes that are in your spearmint because to me it was amazing when I pulled up these lab results. And um, what you'll find is the spearmint, the one where I'm projecting, that one's just going to fly. That one, I love love them all. But this one, if people truly measure it by the health benefit, that one has the panines. It has like 0.97 alpha panine and then 1.16 beta panine, which that's your focus for the day. The myrcene is 2.27%. Limonene, 22.39%. And so all of those, when you combine them together for pain management, is a big deal. That, that's really very helpful. And then the beta-caryophylline is 1.33. And then let me see where the humulene. The humulene is actually the alpha-caryophylline, but they call it alpha-humulene. And humulene is part of the hot plant. We don't find that one that's in high of the amount because beta-caryophylline is running over it, but the alpha-humulene it's alpha-humulene is 0.06. So there's not a big balance in there, but... It's okay. What this does and what, how it helps people, I've had people just jump up and down utilizing this oil. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we already have patients that are committed. <laughs> just from the uh-huh. sample. Well, then also, by not having a sweetener in it, people can use it topically. So okay. if they have a sore spot, put, take a dropper and put a half a mil and drop it on the sore spot and rub it in. There's no sweetener okay. to make it sticky. The carrier oil is perfect for delivery. So they got a couple different methods. Yeah, they could use the spearmint maybe Until as a you, thing. 
go into product <laughs> development, really hammer out a bunch more new stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. you go. Oh, my gosh. It's coming. <laughs> it's all coming. The floodgates have opened. <laughs> <laughs> step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Well, Heidi, we really appreciate everything that you do, and um, we can't wait to see you. When are we going to see you? I don't know. When are you going to bring me out there? I'm trying to go to Arizona when it's not 104 degrees. That's it now. But I think what, one thing that would be huge would be um, being able to have a terpene bar and, and, and at least teach you guys how to do that and share that with your clients. And then, yeah. who knows, maybe on a, on a brand when, when you guys are, when you're working on the brand or something like that, or when Tumbleweeds works on their brand, um, maybe they can have a patient's choice through a terpene bar. Oh, yeah. And record true. people's reactions. Mm. And sure. make one based on that. Let the people pick. <laughs> you know, people there's all sorts of different options. The People's Terpene Choice Awards. <laughs> well, to me, it's really fun where, you know, when I'm running my terpene bar and people come up to me and they're like, what are you doing? I don't understand. I'm like, okay, all you got to do is just smell and we're going to play a game. You smell and you land on one and you tell me what one is your favorite one. And if you don't like it, don't stay on it. Move on. Go to the one that you like. And they'll usually narrow it down to two and then pick one out of those two. And I only have a choice of six. When you get too many choices, it's too hard for people. So then from that point, I'll take the one that they had, and I'll whip out my little terpene, handy-dandy terpene chart that, you know, what you smell is how you feel, and I'll show it to them, and I'll say, this is what you picked. And they'll read through it and go, wow, I do have gastro problems. I do have that. I do have that. I'm like, see, your nose just told you what's wrong with you. And off they go with their little bottle of terpenes to enhance their cannabis experience. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Terpene bars, that's a great idea. It's kind of like, well, you know, add what you need, you know. And that's well, the it allows the general public to mm-hmm. yeah. pick their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right customized. now in the market, yeah, because in the market, um, everything that's out there on the shelves, and I'm not just talking about Tumbleweed's brand, every single one of them, you can't possibly focus or dial in on each individual client like that. No, no, they're general. Yeah, it's for the gen. It's right. For the general healing. Right, yeah. So we will have individualized terpene plans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Be nice. Yeah, that would be wonderful. It would be incredible. Yeah, it's happening. The smell, I mean, just people that, the way you go off with your smell, your oh, smell. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these, these are amazing. So everyone can come on down to tell me we can get some. <laughs> well, and it's so much more than scent, too. You know, everybody gets stuck on the scent. What you have to look at is terpenes are the signalers. Terpenes, as um, I shared a story about limonene. And how terpenes are actually more important than the cannabinoids. And I fully agree with that. Um, Why that is is because when we dial in on those terpenes for people, we're telling the cannabinoids where to go and what to do. We have cannabis and the endocannabinoid receptors all throughout our body. Well, when you take away 
all the terpenes, the cannabis is kind of like floating around like a free radical going, hey, what can I connect to? And gets lucky. When you add the terpene profile back into it, there's no getting lucky. It tells it right where to go and right what to do. Hmm. Interesting. So you get more focused treatment. Wow. And when you look at nature's plant, it wasn't made to go without its scent. Right. Absolutely. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the structure of the chemicals, too, because I look at each individual. I have a book with all my terpenes. I've studied all this stuff intensively. And when you look at how the um, terpene chemical compounds are built and how they fit with the THC and the CBD and the receptor sites and all of that, they just build little bridges where everything just connects and you have little happy feet walking around doing their jobs. <laughs> a bridge to That's love. just the best way to explain it. So, yeah. Bridges to healing. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And that makes total sense. You know, yeah, you can have a generic product, but if you find, you know, the right bridge that's going to connect, you know, the right terpene for what you need to heal, then it makes all the difference in the world in just taking a generalized something. We all have to. Bodies well, and then, and different bodies. Yeah. Well, and then I've also been consulting with doctors down here because that's one thing that we've done for years. We've educated physicians, especially with patients at a time. And so I have one down here that was doing a study with NIH, and they're wanting to study terpenes. And, and I was asked about, you know, they want to use 300 milligrams of terpene in this one dose. And I went, absolutely not. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> it took them back they're like whoa what are you talking about I'm like you could really hurt somebody with that less is more you yeah. need to start small and yeah. add, add up because when you yeah. look at my world that I work in with the oils and the terpenes I work at the drop level Right. one drop and, yeah. and so like per one mil I never put more than one drop of anything in per one mil because you don't want to hurt somebody. Right. And so <laughs> this doctor, I actually went, oh, no, you're getting my book. And I wanted my terpene book so they could have it for their study. And, blah, blah, blah. you know, because um, it wasn't even them that was wanting to do that. It was the government that was suggesting mm. that as a suggested starting dose. Oh, no. no. <laughs> and um, I'd actually been through experiences in the past where I had done terpene en- enhancements for a young lady whose son had cancer and, we had transitioned the dose, and she had not discontinued the previous one, so the kid got overloaded on beta-caryophylline. Mm. So when his eyes started leaking fluid, we knew we had a problem, mm. and that's where we went back to mom and went, slapped her hand, took everything away, and said, only this. Right. Um, and then right. everything rebalanced again. So, yeah. you know, people who are out there playing with terpenes, you must be very, very careful um, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my source, when I, when I source my terpenes, I have to sign a statement guaranteeing that I will not put mercine in a vape product. Hmm. Oh. Really? Because they've had problems with people utilizing synthetic mercine in vape products and harming people. Yeah. Oh. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awful. Well, people need to pay attention. Less is more. Another right. one, um, limonene. Limonene is actually, um, I have another friend who is actually building a huge um, extraction facility here in South Florida. 
um, I've known him for years. He's got one of the first ever hemp certificates in the nation. And um, they're actually using limonene as a solvent for their extraction process. So they're just getting some lab results back this week, so I can't wait to see what happens. Because to be able to use a terpene like that as a solvent is like the mecca. Oh, wow. I can't imagine. That's amazing. Like that pining would probably be doing, probably do the same thing. Well, I wonder. I don't know. I love all the. I would contend you could use almost any terpene. Right to yeah. use as a solvent. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that's making that's it fully. Not yeah. any of those other. It's completely huh. organic at that point. You're not introducing a CO2. You're not introducing yeah. a um, uh, alcohol. Right. As a matter of fact, one thing a lot of people don't know is turpentine is a terpene. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Huh. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, well, anybody who listens to this, if you go to Terpene Healer, I've got a great video that I just, I put it up on, it was the first thing I posted on Terpene Healer when I posted that blog. Mm. And it was about a study in the forest of Colorado, in, in Colorado, in Manitou National Forest, right outside of Colorado Springs. And it's called the Terpene Project. And they're studying the woods in A Penine and B Penine and its effects on cloud seeding and cloud formation. So it's like almost a 12-minute video on my page right there. You can go find it right there. And it's just amazing when you go and look. We're not just healing our bodies. We're healing our planet. Yep. And we need to learn a lot more about terpenes. Yes, we do. There are a lot of articles out right now about why terpenes are so important. Well, we as a human race have been just so inundated by fake smells and fake flavors Mm-hmm. In our food, exactly. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to name, you know, all some of a lot of those brand name uh, plug-in items. You know, um, you smell those; those just disrupt your whole system. You know. Look, well, you know what's in- interesting to me though. Now, my daughter happens to work for um, a big chain of, let's call it, bath product line in the mall. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. But um, she brought home a bunch of products for me because, you know, we, we have our little shower that we share and all of that. And, um, they were supposed to be new organic products. I'm like, huh, what's up with that? Because I usually only use my oil stuff, and that's what I bathe and use, and that's, that's my thing. Right. So I'm reading the label, and a lot of these products are coming out. They have their listing, limonene, linalool, mm. mm. the panines. They're turning up on products now now whether they're synthetic or organic i don't know but i'm seeing it on labels now and that to me is a huge thing right there oh yeah absolutely that means that people are educating themselves right there (laughs) right and sharing it information that's fantastic more and more people will, will understand you know that what they actually are and what they do and um i i love you know it's it's still we're still a ways away from all the legalization we need and getting it off scheduling, but I think we're we're moving in the right direction. At least I know you are. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> yeah, well, and it sounds like you're having a good time doing it, and that's important too. You know, this is important research, and um, 
it makes you happy knowing you're healing, doesn't it? <laughs> I I don't consider what I do a job. Yeah. Because I'm so happy in what I do. Yeah. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, you, you have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to work it. I've been at it for 10 years now. And when that little light of knowledge got turned on, I couldn't turn it off. I'm that kind of person. And so I'm, it's full immersion for me. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. And for everybody out there, I just posted a link to, on our blog anyway to um, Heidi's website, uh, terpenehealer.com, and you can check it out. It's awesome. There's so much wonderful information. Um, where are are you speaking? Are you out doing doing public service announcements for us <laughs> for the cannabis? <laughs> um, yeah, of course. Anytime I, I can, I go out. I'm still an active advisor with Regulate Florida, which is a legalization or adult use petition going on here in South Florida. Um, Bobby oh, Plachorn's on that board with me as well, so we're pushing for adult regulated adult use at all times. We're just now getting up to sixty thousand. Uh, verified petitions. Wow. Another 18,000 and some odd number, and we'll get Supreme Court review, and then that's when we're going to, our little rocket ship's going to really take off. Ah, so awesome. we're hoping that'll really take off and go. Florida passed our medical law with 71.3%. Wow. Record breaking on a national level. Yeah. So completely. once we can get something for regulated adult use on the ballot, I project we're going to have at least that kind of a vote again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If not more. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. a matter of people getting past the language. And um, one thing I'm really very proud about that our petition did, um, we protect gun rights in South Florida. You did what? A lot of people are mixed on that. We protect gun rights. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good. Yeah. Very good. A lot of people may be mixed on that, but there's no other petition in the nation that protects gun rights the way that we do. Absolutely. And it's because we modeled after uh, Florida's, uh, how they regulate, our tagline is regulate marijuana like alcohol. And so if we regulate marijuana like alcohol, we protect gun rights under how Florida's laws are structured. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. Well, one day Uh we'll just be able to regulate cannabis like cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually help a lot of clients in South Florida that are already in the program with terpene enhancements because all they're getting is oils now Mm. and um, so what I do for them here is if they want a tincture they can go buy their product and I'll help them put it into a carrier oil to make a decent tincture and add the terpene enhancements for them right yeah that's awesome and that's just one thing we had to do to help Florida patients here that are in the program because yeah. the law here does not want to allow for flour, which now they're getting ready to change that, like I said earlier. But, of course, they have to make it as difficult to access as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like right now the law is saying that a doctor has to cite three research studies showing the benefits of smoking cannabis. Oh, Lord. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's just so obstructionist. Oh, I, I don't get me going on the yeah. politics. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That well, Heidi, makes me hop up and down. 
<laughs> you make us hop up and down with excitement. <laughs> awesome. We are so excited to have you on here, and we just, you know, you are the, the kidnapper of our very first show, so it's it's always special. And we know Tech Guy is here in spirit with us. He's messing up the show left and right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for all that you do. We love you so much. We we look forward to oh, I love you guys too. continued success with our new products and with your products, with what you're doing in Florida. We hope that you get all your regulation in order. We hope this plant just can continues to succeed as it has. There's no stopping any of us now. No. Free the plant. Free the leaf. Talk about it everywhere you go. Everywhere you can. Everywhere. Uh oh. So. We lost no, I'm still first. here. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks for hanging out and and uh, waiting so long to come on air. It was definitely worth it, and we love you, and we hope to see you soon. Heidi Hamford, thank everybody, terpene healer. Thanks. Take care, everybody. Take care. Woo woo. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Wednesday Wednesday. It's been a nice long show. We're gonna see if we can just close it out here. Woo. Happy anniversary once again. Happy anniversary. Thank you, everybody being here. We miss you. We love you. Um, and we, oh, <laughs> Siri says, my pleasure, as always. She, she's here, too. So thank you, Siri, for being here. Thank you, Silver Sister. Tech guy, we love you. We know that you're out there in the in the magic of it all. Um, you're in our hearts and, and my souls always. Come on down to Tumbleweed Health Center and get that new, get those new t-shirts. They're pretty fantastic. 4826 Broadway Boulevard. Silver Sisters, Wave and Howdy Howdy. Um, check everything out. 520 838 THC Tucson at gmail.com. Happy seven year anniversary, everybody. We love you. Woo-hoo. Thank you, there. And Thank you. See you Oh, remember be smart, be smart, be, be safe, and educate. Oh, <laughs> oh. I love it. Oh, you're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.